going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? That's right. Shaner Wainer's here. And on this episode of the MAPS podcast, Michael and I sit down and chat with two of our absolute favorite producers slash human beings slash MAPS family members, Paul Rhoda and Jesse Pridmore. These two awesome dudes work as a production duo under their company called Monolith Recording Studios. So we sat down with the homies and they described their beginnings and their friendship and working together as well as some recording horror stories. Um, We also get into 90s and 2000s hip-hop and indie music and man, where did the time go? How is it 2021? What happened to the past 10 years? Where did even last year go? Where am I? What am I doing? Well, maybe that existentialism will be examined on another episode, so DM me if uh, you want that episode or if you do not want that episode. Um, Anyways, thank you so much for listening in again and sharing and following and commenting and, and all that sweet jazz music can sometimes be very frustrating. We really appreciate all the wonderful support from you guys. So we hope you enjoy this episode with Paul and Jesse. And as always, shakabra. Podcast. I am Shane Asylum here oh, with Michael sitting across from me. He hasn't got a cool name yet besides Michael. And uh, that's the OG cool name. Well, that's very debatable. The way you say it, Shane, it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> well, thank you, Jesse Pridmore, who's here. Paul Rhoda, thank you so much for joining us. It's so Jesse much. Pridmore and Paul Rhoda. That's right. That's thank right. You. That's right, but it should have been, excuse me, it should have been Paul Rhoda and Jesse Pridmore. I'm sorry, it's just age, as as we know, age before beauty. I'll take it. But uh, you guys are monolith recording, and you guys are two of our absolutely most favorite producers we have here at MAPS. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. We're just saying that because he just bought it on fancy You guys don't play. Well, you guys are our two favorite studio owners, so. (laughs) She's not an owner. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yes, it's on tape. It's recorded. I'm not editing it out. Wait, Um, you're not Filson? uh, Believe it or not, (laughs) I am, I can grow a way better beard than Filson. Ooh. Damn. Them um, fighting words. You know. He he likes to keep it a little too classy, I think, with his beard. He is very dapper. Very dapper. That's that New York Manhattan lifestyle. Yeah, I, guess I so. saw him in a uh, casual sweater, though. That was nice. <laughs> that, that was interesting, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, it's not your sports coat. <laughs> Cashmere. Yeah. So anyways, let's get down to brass tacks. Let's do it. Tell, tell the world about yourselves, about maybe where you started. How, let's, let's start. How'd you guys meet? 
how did you guys get into music together and doing monolith recording? That's a good question. Um, I guess just for identification's sake, I'm Jesse. Yes. That is. I'm Paul. Paul. Oh, hi. Um, I'm not Jesse. Since you <laughs> can't see our beautiful faces. Yeah, so me and Paul met at a rehearsal studio in Garden Grove, and um, Paul was working the rehearsal studio. Um, working it. And he was, if you've never seen Paul in his native environment, he is just the most amazing person to work with. <laughs> just stop it amazing, you know? Just leave it there. You're really selling Paul right now. <laughs> no, he, like, he's the guy who came in, like, you didn't know how to work the PA. He'd be like, no worries. And you'd set it up. He'd dial in the reverb for you. He would of get course. your amp working. He'd be like, no, no, no. You know what? Sound better like this. And you'd turn the knobs a little bit and be like, oh, shit. Thanks, Paul. Oh, no. It does sound better. Yeah. And uh, Very hospitable. Yes. Very, That's very. Simple. So one day he comes in and he's like, do you guys want to record? And I had taken recording engineering classes in community college. And I was like, no, man. <laughs> I can record my own band. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, so I tried to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for probably it was probably only like six months later I came back I was like Paul please help me record my uh, band <laughs> you guys went to the mountains or something the big bear in a cabin yeah. and took oh. a stab at it I that's, one of the few, that's one of the first few pictures on your Instagram it check is. it out yeah. M- monolith recording at Instagram why are you so well versed on his Instagram <laughs> I've been doing some stalking hello <laughs> research Shane oh that's yeah of course it's called yeah, research my bad yeah <laughs> Anyways, yeah, Paula recorded my bands. And did you record at Bomb Shelter? We did. Yeah, we, we pulled did. an all nighter because um, Paul an all nighter. Paul an yeah. all nighter because Nauki, our drummer, uh, as soon as he got back from college, we were supposed to go tour, and he decided to get a full time job, and so we had Lame. to get it all no, done in one weekend. It yeah, only take one Monday yeah. off, mm-hmm. and a lot of Red Bull and a lot of tears. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of tears. <laughs> We're very proud of that, but yeah, it was. Uh, I haven't ever heard this record. Oh, it's out there. Yeah, in the ether. Yeah, it's Mandolinda, gotta, the Mandolinda record. You got to hunt for it. it. Doesn't find you. You find <laughs> yeah. Mandolinda. <laughs> Anyways, we we made before my band made me lose my mind. We then made Paul lose his mind, and oh. um, he has multiple minds to lose. Huh? Yeah. Oh, um, he's like a cat. Well, backstory: I <laughs> had recorded up until this point, but I was more of a hobbyist, I guess you could say. I had made the leap into trying to do it professionally, so to speak. So this was gonna be my my first big project that I was like, okay, like I'm going all in. We're gonna I'm gonna make a record. Like um so yeah, I didn't tell them that obviously up front. I you know, waxed that I just had all kinds of experience and I was ready for this. But <laughs> you're like, you see how good I got that solid state martial half stack yeah, to sound? Turns out I wasn't, but um Still, like I said, the the fruits of the labor, the best, of course, aside from the record, was, you know, getting to meet Jesse and work with him and developing a friendship, which then later obviously turned into a working relationship. But, yeah, a lot of sleepless nights, like you said. There's famous stories about me mixing that record, and I'd start mixing around midnight the night before that I had a mixed 
session with them mm-hmm. at 10 a.m. the next day, and I'd mix from midnight till about 10 a.m. when they would then subsequently wow, that's show really up to good my house. For your ear fatigue. No, oh I know, God. yeah. And then they'd show up, and we'd mix for six to eight more hours, Jeez. and they'd be looking at me like, like, dude, are you okay? Like, well, Paul's on drugs. <laughs> you, look, you don't look so good. You know, no, 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 no. no I'm just yeah, mixing this record. So it was a huge learning experience for me. Um, yeah, I mean, it's easy to get obsessive with that, huh? Oh, yeah. Where you're just like... When I'm naturally obsessive compulsive to begin with and then toss me into professional recording and mixing and... Were, so you, were, you, a, were you mixing? Were you geeking out on headphones or do you have monitors set up? Or? Oh, yeah. D- the story goes, and Jesse will tell you. I mean, I was pushing like tenth of a decibel like rides on on certain tracks because I we swore like that it was other. making a difference. We'd be like, is he okay? No, I was in. <laughs> I was <laughs> literally. It too. It'd be like 0.5. Yeah. Enter. Oh I God. was in <laughs> that record, but I mean, it, it's, it was a. Uh, it's funny because I, I love them as a band and even like more backstory when he said I kind of knocked on the door. I While I was working at the studio, they were one of my favorite bands that rehearsed there and I'd press my ear against the door and listen to them rehearse and they'd come oh, drooling on the door. So it was intentional. I, I, I wanted to record them because my recording philosophy, even at its most just you know basic is just it's you're just capturing these moments these Mm -hmm. songs these pieces of time and i wanted to capture what i was hearing walking down that hallway and yeah especially when you find something that connects with you or that you really love like yeah you want to make sure that that was it it that was literally my intention of making that record is i wanted to preserve those songs that i was hearing that band play and so they gave me the opportunity. It was, you know, chalk it up to a heavy learning experience for both Jesse yeah, and I on both us. ends. And he, we even talked about this the other day. He saw me and, you know, when we first talked about starting a recording business, I'm like, well, don't you see what it does to people? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> do you not see what happened? But he was, he was into it and I was too. So like I said, the best takeaway from making that record was, you know, the, the relationship that he and I have now and, and the work that we do and come a long way though, since then, like I've, I've learned definitely <laughs> well, <laughs> to budget my mix time. I think that's uh, a, most uh, importantly, like a great topic is, like we're all here because we love this job. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that like we've been through so many horrible—I shouldn't say horrible, but just like not great experiences sometimes. And you feel just like absolute shit afterwards. Like I'm—I don't think I have what it takes. I don't think I'm going to ever do this again. And then all you're thinking about is how you could do it better. And then you take it into the next session and you do it better the next session. You're like, all right, you know, maybe I think I got this. You know, and it's a. Uh, Man, I, I was working a full-time job at that time, and all I would do while I was sitting there at my computer is I would have an Excel sheet up and pretend like I was doing work, but then right behind it, I had just recording, uh, sound-on-sound, gear sluts. Like I was just <laughs> like going through every single page I could find and just eating up every bit of information on recording, and I did that for like six or seven years, I was just, I guess, a back page internet engineer. Yeah. And just doing random stuff. Like I had a buddy's band. He was a bluegrass band and I would help them do their EP. And yeah, just try to figure out a way to make it viable. 
but it just always stuck with me. And meeting Paul and then being able to actually get some real studio time and not just bedroom studio time um, was life-changing, really was. Yeah, well, I mean, it. from my perspective, when I first got this this email from a Jesse Pridmore Hey, I met your friend Jimmy at Nam. Like he told me you have a studio. I'm like, this is like the most Nam email ever, you know. <laughs> and um, but at that time we had started, you know, already opening the doors to other producers. And so when I first had, I think we had a phone call first. I can't, I can't remember. So what year was this? Do you remember? Shit. Two Eight years teen? ago. Three years ago. It's three years ago. Shit. I think. Okay. Cheers to that, boys. Yeah. yeah. Clanky, clanky. Clank, clank. Clank. No COVID cheers. I know. Only butts. Only butts. Um, But when you started telling me about this dude, Paul, oh, he's my my production partner, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, man, I've always seen this like really go the wrong way. Like as soon as like, like my analogy has always been like two people can't drive a car. You know what I mean? Like Mm so two people can't, can't, you know, drive the mix. Of course, different stages of mixing, all, all that kind of stuff. Definitely. I'm a big, collaborative you know engineer when it comes to that but um as far as actually like driving the the engineering side like it you know artists always tend to have and i consider ourselves artists you know first and foremost otherwise we wouldn't you know even be entertaining this shit but um you know we get emotional about it and then like as soon as somebody else starts trying to steer something a little bit different even though it might be the right way you just we start like short circuiting and then once i started you know, spending more time with you guys and, you know, sat in on a session or we did our training session and so on and so forth. I was like, wow, these guys like really have figured out the roles, you know? And so you're, you've been the first, like, I want to say like, you know, successful in the sense of like, you know, you're, you're fucking up or anything like that. But it's like, you guys like are really, really happy working together and like you, you compliment each other really well. And like, there's this really good balance, this really good, you know, back and forth that I could see from from an outsider's perspective, you know. So, but I'd, of course, we want to hear where it got unbalanced and where you guys <laughs> had some issues that you yeah. didn't agree. I mean, on. all the time. We, uh, <laughs> I, I think, the primary thing with our work relationship and our personal relationship is that we're not. Both of us are not heavily driven by. Uh, financial rewards. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're more heavily driven by um, personal relationships. And I think that it's just inherent in us. Like we we love the collaborative process. Um, it's more rewarding to us for to have a client that's satisfied and know that we did good work than just to collect a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I think that's definitely part of the aspect that makes it work. But also like you said, like we complement each other really well. Paul is very attention, has a high attention to detail. I am more broad strokes. Um, I like looking at things big picture. All right, how do we get this job from A to B? And how do we do it most efficiently? And Paul's like, okay, let's take a step back. Let's look at the nuances. Um, Point five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, point one oh, decimal. I see. I'm the guy who grabs the pull tech and cranks it to ten. Yeah, <laughs> and, I would probably f- fucking want to fight you if you ever did that. <laughs> <laughs> With love, but well, hence our 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 balance is right there. Is we do moderate each other very well, and uh, I mean even logistically as well. I mean, 
going into any kind of business relationship as a partnership, you have to understand what we are still working on, but do understand is that for this to work, we both have to be active, you know? Mm. Um, so, you know, if he's tracking a record, I'm somewhere else mixing a record. Cause obviously just as you mentioned, it seems a little, you know, you, you can't, it's a tough split to split the money for one person's work. But if mm, you're divvying sure. up for two men's work, then each guy can get his fair share. So we're, you know, that's been probably not the toughest part, but, you know, figuring out just how to make it work in its most efficient way has been, you know, what we've really been trying to work at and learn. Still. Yeah, it's definitely been the struggle, but um, it seems like every year we make new new strides on figuring it out. So. Yeah, you guys have, I mean, I, you're, you're kind of uh, the poster child for our, our, you know, freelance producer roster, you know, people that we're bringing in to let use the studio on their own and um, you know, seeing your guys' growth since you guys have, um, you know, joined us monthly and, and all that, like, it's been great, you know, yeah. just like, okay, cool. So this, this is like, you know, proof that what we're trying to strive for and what we're trying to provide for people to make records that they love, um, is really working that there's room for growth there because, you know, what's the point of trying to run a business that's not going to have room for growth for everybody, <laughs> you know? Cause it's like, yeah. if it's only growing for you, then it's just like, it doesn't make any sense, you know? So... But, you know, one thing I've been I've been dwelling on, uh, especially through like COVID and, you know, this like restriction on how much we could actually spend time with people in the same room and work on our projects together and, and so on and so forth. Um, but more as like an overarching theme. What do you think the benefit is of working on something so personal and so technical with two people versus just doing it on your own? Because I've you know, ended up in the, in the seat where it's just kind of like, not that I don't want somebody else's input. It's just that more or less it's, it's been more frictionless if I just yeah. kind of like get it to a certain point and then we start doing revisions on a mix or so on and so forth. Has it been frictionless? Has it with me? <laughs> Shane is nothing but friction. <laughs> that beard, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> static mess. I'll say it's uh it just comes down to clearly defined roles, communication. Uh, we always, but we, like, what, but like, what does it add to it? You know what I mean? Like, like, mm -hmm. of course, we already know you guys could can make it work personally because you guys are just stand up dudes, right? Yeah. But really, like, what does it add to the record making process, not only for you but for your clients? Um, I would say, and sorry to keep jumping in here, Paul. Oh. I'll uh, I'll let you have first word in a second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> usually, going into a session, we know the style of the artist. We know what they're trying to get out of it. Um, oh yeah. Wow. That was beautiful. That was good. And we will, we'll have an hour, two hour long phone call. If you know me at all, I hate wow. talking on the phone. Paul's the only person I talked to on the phone for two hours. <laughs> Actually, um, my favorite, my favorite phone call with you now is when your aunt was on speakerphone. I got to say <laughs> hi to your aunt. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh man. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk for hours about like, upcoming sessions and just just geek out on it and be like mm. okay i think you'd be the best person because this one's more r&b you have more experience in r&b uh this is a more instrument based group um i think you're better at tackling that stuff and i'll kind of sit back and kind of learn from your uh, expertise on that um you're better at paul's much better than me at pitch and timing um, so whenever it comes to anything that's very critical with pitch and timing, I usually let him steer the ship and, um, or 
he usually steers the ship. I don't let him steer the ship. (laughs) 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 And uh, I I usually take stuff that's more um, rock and roll and live action. More of my expertise has been in the, the, the live music domain. So if we're doing live instruments, I always... That's my favorite thing to do is just figure out how I'm going to capture an instrument, Mm. uh, whether it's piano or drums or guitar. And uh, yeah, so we usually divvy up as the process goes, depending on what the actual uh, instrument that it is that we're we're recording, whether it's vocals or drums. So you think it's just like, you think it's just being able to like, not validate, but like, you know, I have this idea, like, what do you think about this idea? And just bounce these ideas back and forth to, like, kind of shape something that's a little bit greater than just a singular idea. Is that kind of, like, what what's your, yeah, your takeaway is? I think that's a lot of it. Um, I mean, for me personally, I, I, I love collaboration and music and creation in general. Um, obviously, it's not as often seen maybe on the recording or engineering side of it. But obviously, when you see, you know, record credits for a Beyonce record, there's eight writers yeah. and four producers, and so music, to me, is always even bands. You know, it's it's a collaborative thing. It's a lot of voices in the room. It's a lot of minds at work together, trying to achieve a singular goal. And like I said, I know it's not as often seen in like engineering and production duos. You know so to speak. Um, But, I mean, even before, you know, that fateful story of my coming to record Jesse's band and kind of taking the leap to doing it professionally, I had done it as a hobbyist for almost a solid decade Mm -hmm. and made a lot of my own records where I was the singular producer and engineer and worked with some rappers and, you know, did this and that, recorded a couple other bands, but more on like a having fun kind of thing. But... It, when when we did this business venture, for me, naturally just having a, a partner and a collaborator, especially when we were kind of early in the game and just starting out to have somebody to shoot me a YouTube video at two yeah. in the morning of some mix process or technique that he had just discovered. And had he not done that, it's not something that would have entered my mind. So it's just sponging and the more minds and ears for that matter that we can have in a room on a record like I'm all for it but circling back to what Jesse originally said you do have to have kind of very distinguished roles and you know because obviously when we first started you know who's turn to speak and who's turn mm-hmm. to lead and figuring some of those things out have taken a little bit of time because they're it's not like we're following the kind of blueprint of other engineer duos who right, have kind sure. of done the yeah. same thing. So we've kind of paved our own way and it's been a learning process. But I think it's important to note too is that like we do have our own projects. Yeah. <clears throat> we don't work on everything together. Um, if there's something that's completely within just our ability to do it and we think that the project would be better just served with one person running the project, 100% we, um, we make that decision and we... Uh, we will take the responsibility for the project. 
you know, it's not like we have to work on every single project together. Yeah. Well, and hence the both of us being busy is what really makes this yeah. profitable for us. So yeah, we can't always, <laughs> our joke has always been like his hand on the mouse and then mine comes over <laughs> the top of it. We're both moving it, you know, his finger on the so, fader yeah. with my finger yeah. on his. It's like yeah. Ghost. It's not, it's not really that, you know, it's, it's more, you know, where we do a lot, we can do a lot because there's two of us. It's just, it's the, we're 200% more of an engineer than one guy. But it also yeah. sounds like it, more. it so, might yeah. even take a little bit of pressure maybe off of each other's plate or or give well, like kind you of said, like make yeah. it more fun. If you know, we get of, stuck, yeah. one of us gets hung up on something. If one of us is like, hey, I'm unfamiliar with this. Have you crossed it? Like I said, just having an extra voice, someone or especially like, trusted to turn yeah. to. Or it's like, hey, Paul, you don't have to stay up all night and work on this mix. Like, yeah. we can focus on that tomorrow. Like, yeah. why don't you get some rest? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. get your brain kind of nice and yeah. comfortable that and is, then come into it clean. The well, I can summarize say, it. Yeah, 90% yeah. Of I can summarize talks. it like this, and I think Jesse would agree, is we've learned a ton from just being around each other and mm-hmm. and well, stuff that I would say it's just really valuable. To, yeah, an important point yeah. that we talked about earlier is mentorship. Yeah. Mm. And, um, I was always looking for a mentor, um, and I found Paul, but you know, one of Paul's things is like his, one of his struggles with, with this whole process, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I I feel like we just talked about this is, you know, finding good mentorship. Mm -hmm. Strangely enough, uh, we found a lot of mentorship here at maps (laughs) with a kid younger than us. By the name of Michael. Yeah, he's okay. Michael. <laughs> oh. You always forget that I'm younger than you guys. I know. For some reason. You're an old spirit, Mike. I know. I guess. I just see Sometimes. you youthful motherfuckers. Some, yeah. Sometimes he acts like a little brother. Well, it's still the same thing. It's just had more voices. I, I think of it as a community. You know, and Jesse and I are our own little community, but we're also, as you can tell, with just us being here with you guys, we love being around other people that do this. And Well, yeah, I think, I think it's important. I think historically... Uh, there hasn't been too much of an effort to bring, you know, people on the technical side of things together. Um, of Especially course, engineer minds too. Engineers, yeah, that's yeah, where it's it can get like, well, even they just kind of cave themselves in with like, oh, no, 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 I, no, this is how I want it, this is how I want to do it. But Yeah, but I mean, NAM is a big thing. AES is a big thing. You know, especially gear slats, I mean, there's a couple great podcasts, you know, out there as well. Like Working Class Audio was like my first, like, you know, audio podcast I fell in love with, and I got to meet Matt at Nam, and he's a super great dude. And, um, but like I think, like physically, you know, working with each other in in the same building or at least in the same network of, you know, studios or whatever, is like kind of a rare occurrence. You know, I mean, like even if you go to like a big music hub like L.A. or New York or Nashville. Um, you know, you bump elbows if you're, if you're one of the busy people and you're, you're going to similar studios, like somebody's a Blackbird and somebody's a, you know, whatever studio on the street, it's like, that's, that's kind of the old school model of doing it. But, you know, I'm really, I'm seeing some great results from us trying to like kind of shift that a little bit, you know what I mean? And like make this a home for freelancers and, and make it their home spot. And, but also listen and, and grow together, you know, like, you know, the whole thing we were just talking about, how you guys are like, Hey, we need Ableton for a session. It's like, cool, well, let's figure out how we're going to, you know, accommodate that and make sure that like, 
you always feel like you have a home and, and you know, that we're taking care of you guys and, and so on and so forth. And, and you're it, getting everything that you need. Yeah. You know. And I think it's been really rewarding for me at least, you know, and it's something that I haven't been able to experience as a freelancer myself since I started making records professionally like 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, so. like you look at records in the seventies and you look at the way like the musicians interwove themselves, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I mean, Fleetwood Mac, for example, you know, getting all those people together on one record and getting Lin- Lindsey Buckingham and, and actually getting, uh, these great musicians all in one room. It's like, why can't we have that for audio engineers? You know, I mean, obviously the dynamics a little bit different. Like we don't get together and all press record at the same time and make a beautiful sound stacked on. But yeah, (laughs) let's go for four. Yeah. (laughs) Just, just one hand on top of the other over the mouse is enough. Um, but the idea that, you know, this, and this kind of goes back to one of the things I struggled most with growing up playing music is viewing music as a competition. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And I was always so insecure as a young musician because I thought I couldn't be friends with that guy because he was a better guitarist than me. Like, mm-hmm. he's he's better than me. I got to be better than him. I can't make friends with him and then learn <laughs> from him. You know, like, I yeah. just got to get better in my room and then show him that I'm better than him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting, like, because I think also, like, are when we start playing music and like let's say we started you know thinking about playing music in elementary school or something like that and it's just like you tell your parents as like a young kid i want to play music they're like all right we're gonna put you in school band mm-hmm. and then you start looking at the structure of school band and there's a first chair player oh you know what i mean wow. and there's oh, yeah. like this, this is true thought about this is true. there's like all this kind of like weird structure around musicianship and then you know of course you know rock indie bands whatever like you name it whatever the genre it is is like the antithesis antithesis anyways oh right yeah yeah that's good um of of that you know um and then so when you jump into that world and you're like in your garage or whatever trying to work out your band and it's like in this like bubble and you're like oh man i feel like we're really good and then you get out to the real world and you're like oh shit we're not good at all. So like, that's a problem as well. And so you have these like, kind of like two routes that you could take as a young musician. And it's like, no matter what, you're going to be disappointed at some point. So you might as well just fucking go for something. For me, it was always, Oh man, that was a great show. And then the band next to us was way heavier than we were. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck our breakdowns are not as heavy as their breakdowns. (laughs) We like, we failed as a band, but like, I think, there's like a big thing for like, you know, my first band that was able to kind of like push through majority of the venues in Orange County. Um, we made it a point where like, cause we, you know, we would hit up like bigger bands, be like, Hey, can we open for you? And then they would just treat us like shit, you know, whatever. So we made it a point to like, once we started getting a little bit of like sway and booking our own shows to like never, ever feel like we're stomping on top of some other band to climb that ladder. Mm. You know what I mean? And I feel like it's it all it is is an attitude, man. And it's like anything else in life. You know, you could do that if you were a fucking car salesman. You know, and it's like it's navigating relationships. Yeah, right? relationships, but then, and having them balance. Mm. You know, but like just appreciate like that. Some people have something to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like when you watch a band, like that's what I loved about. I mean, shit, I'm having like serious show withdrawal. Yeah, but um. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, we, we would throw on, like, map shows at, at 
Wayfarer in Costa Mesa. And, you know, we'd have, like, there's a fly right there. Big Monster Thunder God, Them Evils, and Blue-Eyed Lucy. And it's just like, even though I was playing in one of the bands, I, like, I would be sitting there, like, mind-blown watching some of my best friends just fucking crush it on stage. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's good to, like, have a fire lit under your ass. You know what I mean? And, and you... yeah. You you want to push yourself, but it's it's what you do with that energy, you know. And I think making records is super similar, you know. Like you hear about the the old school argument with like Pet Sounds versus Rubber Soul, <laughs> you know, and this like weird thing. But it's like you, you want that inspiration. You want to you want to have that like push and pull. But oh, um, you know, I think inherently like in in the production engineering realm we don't really have enough like interaction, you know, yeah. like you hear somebody's record, you know, that that's like one of your peers that they mix and you're kind of like, fuck man, like snares him yeah. so goddamn good. And yeah. like, but there's no, there's no medium to like, to like work that out with each other. You know what I mean? And like talk and like compliment or, or ask questions or like, we're, you know, like learn from it and grow from it if anything we're getting a little bit closer with like the youtube video generation and everyone showing like hey this is my process well what Uh, yeah what you're talking about too i think there's two like distinct kinds of competitiveness there's Mm -hmm. that i want to stomp on your throat and like make you suffer while i beat you like and show you that i'm better but i also (laughs) think there's that one definitely ours like you were saying yeah to where (laughs) you understand like the better your adversary gets the more it encourages you to be better yourself so you almost you don't want to stomp on that you want them to get better because you know it's going to eventually bring better work and product out of you yeah and so, but I, that's more the way I viewed, especially like our recording community here is, yeah, I mean, I've heard your records and I've already told you, like, I'm like, how does he get his drums to sound so good? <laughs> yeah. like, well, I could like, you know, and I feel, steps. but it's at the, the same time, like it's, it's great that I have <laughs> you as a resource. So when I sit down to mix a record, uh-huh. I can pick your brain and say, Hey man, like, you know, it's all, you know, it's all about perspective. And if you see it from a perspective is to what you can gain from working with others as opposed to what it can detract. And this is just going back to the conversation with me and Jesse is like, there would be no partnership if I didn't feel that I'm a better engineer because of Jesse and having Mm, him around and, and hopefully vice versa. (laughs) Like because of, even though he and I are competitive and literally what you said, we do it. I play a mix and he's like, oh, why'd you fucking play that mix? Like now I feel shitty about my mixes. Then he comes (laughs) back with a mix and it's the same thing. And I feel like that is makes us better. Just when I think I've outdone him. I was like, I don't need Paul anymore. So it's a true story. Like he shows me a mix. I was like, you're like writing an email to me, like take Paul out of the contract. <laughs> yeah, no. it's like it's just, yeah. yeah. So, it, it, but it, I believe that it works for us, and it, it wouldn't just work for anybody. Be, it's it's because Jesse and I share that similar viewpoint on competitiveness as an an enhancement, as a growth tool. Well, it's just know? maturity, and yeah. it's being confident. It's one of the things that talk going back to like what I was saying, feeling so competitive, and the, the competitiveness was detrimental but the reason why I was detrimental is that I didn't have any faith in myself mm, you know right. and it's developing that that um that belief that this is possible and that like, what you're doing is good and even and if you're, you're learning yeah exactly like, even if you're not there yeah, yet you're and you're going never there. going to be there 
Right, right. But you're you're taking steps every day, every week, every yeah. month, what every even every year, you know, just to kind of up up your confidence level, up your game, and and then you look back on it even a couple years later, and you're like, all right, I've come a long way. Or even what I was doing back then was like, I'm actually pretty proud of myself, and yeah. now I'm just doing that much better. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a really cool thing to be able to be in that mind. That's why I'm I'm so happy to be in my thirties. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Feels no, so good. Seriously, Feels so good, so right, guys? To be in our thirties. Insecure in my teenage twenties <laughs> that it's like I'm at a point now to where I can appreciate the fact that somebody's better than me. Yeah, so basically only hire people to do your records that are 30 and above. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. I exactly. just turned 30 like a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. Uh, welcome. Oh, man. Uh, but, okay, so... Can I actually make a good point really quick that sure. you brought up about like the YouTube mm-hmm. society and versus like what we have going on here? One of the things that uh, solidified coming over here was... I had gotten to the point to where I was in, I was hardcore into like the YouTube realm of mixing mm-hmm. and I was following all these guys. And I got to a point where I was like, I should really listen to the records. <laughs> 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 Whoa, man, that was like eye opening. It's like, okay, I guess I don't have to follow this guy anymore and this guy anymore and this guy anymore. <laughs> um, but like coming here and like hearing the work that's coming out of here was really nice. It was like, okay. Like, not only do I have something that I can learn, I have stuff that I can learn and apply, and I know I'm going to get a good good result. Yeah. So that, w- that was cool. Like, being in a physical space, being here with people you can actually, like, rely on and know that there's a good product at the the end of the, uh, the road is, man, it, it's so much better than reading articles and watching YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> was there a certain point for you guys where you felt like um, it was more appropriate for you to get kind of out of the, the bedroom recording sense and where you're just like, let's, let's go for it. Let's jump for it. Let's, let's, let's take that step forward. Or, or like, you know, what, what, what was that kind of mentality, yeah. you know? Um, frankly, yeah, I think it was long overdue. Even when we started forming Monolith, you know, and sorry, to, ultimate stands, you fucking suck. This is Mike, good right here. Mike, oh. <laughs> sorry, Shane, I keep breathing into the microphone because I'm you're fine, can't get this place correctly. I know. <laughs> Insert <laughs> maps advertisement here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Sure, I'll take this one since yeah. Jesse's mic is pointed at his dick right now. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, yeah, obviously, I thought it was overdue. Um, us getting into a better spot, a more professional facility. Mm-hmm. Um, out of the bedroom, of course. But when Jesse and I first started forming Monolith and kind of business planning, and the, obviously one of the biggest, <laughs> you know, uh, things that's cost prohibitive is 
owning a space and yeah, having we wanted that. to build out our own thing yeah uh, like, who oh, doesn't yeah do yeah this. yeah this yeah, is my this is, this is my gear wish list and yeah and then you start really like looking at some of the numbers and you're like there's just no way like there's no way in hell yeah, somebody especially crazy. when yeah when when, when you're studio. when you're starting out like <laughs> jesse and i were and you're cranking out you know a record a year yeah, or maybe two you know so fifteen dollars an hour yeah five <laughs> in some instances yeah I, at a retailer <laughs> yeah i did the math yeah it's it's so the margins weren't there so anyways yeah it, it, we kind of looked at spaces and and what you know obviously building a studio from the ground up was just kind of out of the the idea at the the start and you have to become a hoarder well then you look and funny even in la and hollywood you think okay well there's a shit ton of studios in this area like Mm -hmm. let's just look and then you go on whatever at the time like we're looking at craigslist we're looking at just these ads randomly and these dudes literally oh yeah Mm -hmm. spacious control room and it's the size of like a small closet you know and (laughs) just yeah so obviously we knew from the outset like finding a space is probably not or having our own space for that matter probably wasn't in our business plan and so we actually started out as a quote unquote mobile recording company and we had a mobile recording rig that we would haul to people's garages and houses to record and do this and that hmm. so and even that is difficult because if you've ever done quote unquote oh mobile recording you know recording is has its full list of you know adversities and difficulties along the way as it is even when you're in a nice studio you know mm-hmm. you're going to fight a bad patch in a patch bay or something's going to come along a mic a stand obviously <laughs> what but when you're also no. sweating from carrying all your gear yeah, in, and like yeah. you can't even. But you're hauling to Long Beach in 100 degree weather, <laughs> yeah. and mic stands, and all this yeah. stuff. It, it's just so quickly. Yeah, we we were wondering how we were really going to make this work, and obviously, fast forward to maps. Well, what's cool about this too, and here's another shout out to just every person that's been involved in this process. It's my first point of contact with Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Nicest guy. Shout you out, can. Jimmy. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Jimmy's and turned 30. Boom. He just turned 30. We met at the Happy AA booth, and I was just looking at microphones to buy for our mobile recording. Because <laughs> 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 yeah, you want to uh, be toting around delicate ribbon yeah, mics everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And Great so idea. Jimmy actually let me borrow a bunch of AEA gear for a session that we had. And that session, wow, that's, that was difficult. I was so excited. We had a <laughs> ribbon microphone to put on a stand-up bass mm-hmm. and i was like this is gonna be so awesome this is perfect the guy didn't know how to play the stand-up bass uh, <laughs> step one yeah, yeah it wasn't the mics <laughs> wasn't the mics fault. It wasn't the mics yeah. um and then i was so nervous i couldn't get the preamp he gave me to work but mm. because i forgot to hit the line insert on the <laughs> 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 but it was just like everything was so confounding and we only had like six hours to do this and the guy couldn't play bass and i couldn't plug shit in and <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's too good we ended up making it all work we we got these guys an ep and we finished it and they were stoked on it and yeah. for those i ended those, up playing bass on two of the songs <laughs> for those people who have never had that experience trying to set up microphones and making them work and and you're running into difficulties is one of the most stressful things it is yeah. so simple it's so simple, it's very simple. but yet 
there's some little things that if you're not well versed on how to use all the things, it's, well, one button. It's it's usually it's, just one. We button. had we so had just gotten our Apollos to too, so we yeah. were like, yeah. we had just cascaded our Apollos. We were like, oh cool, we have two Apollos, nah. and then we were trying to use an external preamp and. We got it all plugged in. I was like, yeah, it's all plugged in. Let's go. Yeah. Anyways, no yeah. Oh, my God. Just unplug it all. <laughs> co directed Well, circling, yeah, circling back to maps, though, I do want to say, like, when we did finally, you know, come across you guys through Nam Fate, as it were. Um, Who would have thought? I know. Yeah, like, at that point, too, I totally boycotted the Nam show. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was such a spoiled little fuck where, like, it, I was getting, like, three Nam badges, at, like, at a time. <laughs> And I was just like, I don't want to deal just with throwing them in the garbage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nobody needs these. Anybody who goes to Nam doesn't yeah. ever really want to go yeah. to Nam. And then like, here I am, like avoiding Nam, and then like a completely viable business venture like comes my way via Nam. I'm like, yeah, God damn it. God well, damn and that's true. And and up until that point, you know, Jesse and I had not seen a business model like this, um, which was kind of. I remember the first day he hit me up about coming here, and he's kind of explained you know, the lowdown to me. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like, why would they do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> But actually, when you think about it, and no offense to every band everywhere, anytime, but, you know, one of the most difficult parts about being a recording engineer, sad to say, is working with bands. And it's no offense to bands and, mm-hmm. you know, yep. nothing personal, but bands are like a marriage of five to six, four people. And marriages rarely work between two people. <laughs> so... Dealing yeah. with bands and their scheduling and trying to make records work when you're balancing all these different, you know, viewpoints and what yeah. different people in the band think the record should sound like, it, it's tough enough. So hearing your guys' business model to where you guys actually catered to the engineers and producers at your studio, like I said, it seemed like a godsend to us for what we were doing because it immediately solved one of our most gaping issues is where's our home base going to be if yeah. we're not going to be a mobile recording mm-hmm. company? Like where is this professional studio with a professional build out with the right kind of equipment and not just that, but the right kind of people running it with the right kind of mindset? Like where are we going to find It's not just like, Oh, I built a studio and I haven't been back since, but hey, if you want to rent it out, here's my rate, here's the keys. You guys work here. This is your studio too. So it's not just this blatant studio that was right. built just to be a rental. And you're not just trying to like fill Yeah, the and gaps it's in also month. curated yeah. in terms of the people and producers who are brought in to work here. There's a process and there's a vetting that goes to that. And that's all lends into just what maps is and why it the model really works so well, especially I think in these days to where, you know, Jesse and I aren't the only ones to where it's, you know, cost prohibitive right now just to be going in and trying to get funding and build a multi-million dollar recording studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it just worked. And like I said, it's, it was just, as you mentioned earlier, that, that was what really, when we locked in our business model then with your guys's solution, to having a great space and community and all these things that we've been talking about all rolled into this one package. Why it was just kind of a no brainer and basically has been ever since for Jesse and I to be here. And Hell yeah. Brother. Paul, we're talking yeah, about them yeah. too much. Can we bring it back to us? I know. I know. <laughs> Monolith recording studios. <laughs> I mean, just monolith I know, productions. I know, I know. Or... Yeah. 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 No, <laughs> no but really, yeah, it, it's, it's been like, like I said, it's just so rewarding and, and 
fun to see it all kind of come to fruition and, and you guys be stoked and, you know, make some great records. Like that's really like what, that's the goal. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, well, not to mention honestly, everybody we bring here loves it here. Yeah. It's, it's very client friendly and it's, it's just, like I said, just, it's fantastic. In I'm, more ways than one. I'm part of pragmatist. So part of me is just like, whenever I do something, it's like, well, fuck it. How can I just do it the best? And the great thing is, is like, it's not like we're just fucking around here. You know, like I, I really feel like we can make great records. Yeah. So. And for, for us too, like, I think, the thing that we try to always push is community and building these relationships, building these networks that also encourage all, you know, all the boats that will float up at the same time. Even if one's kind of dragging here, we have, we have this, we just got a new Chandler mic that might allow you to get that sound (laughs) that you wanted. (laughs) Oh, you okay there? Yep. <laughs> yeah, you mean Jesse bought a mic and was so kind enough to leave it here? Very kind enough to leave. Monolith recordings. <laughs> <laughs> but and too, like even with, it's unfortunate that we weren't we we were struck with this um, kind of little uh, pandemic this past year, yeah. which we weren't allowed to have the opportunities to have all our producers and maybe some of their friends or families come in and talk you know, music or talk. I hope the hell we can have a Matt, uh, Matt's Christmas party again this I year. I hope so fun. for 2021. Dude. Hope hopefully. Well, word on the street is we might get a kegerator, so. Okay. Yeah, no, party talking. time. Yes. Tacos as we far as the eye can see. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it It really is, It's I, I personally enjoy the MAPS community because it's always great to meet new people mm-hmm. that care as much about music as I do. Yeah. You know, people that are so involved in capturing the moment and something that's going to live on forever. You know, it's you can play live shows as much here or there. You can play it every mm-hmm. single day, but as long if you don't capture any of those moments, it's just going to just going to fade away as a as a little memory as as opposed to creating some albums that are truly yeah. that could sometimes last, you know. Dude, that is that is the reason I record is like yeah. And I tell people this all the time. One is like, thank you for trusting me with your art. The other thing is you give me the Joe Rogan. Oh my god, that scared <laughs> me. I thought it was falling over. <laughs> the mic stands like coming towards my face. Sorry, I'll get closer. The the thing that like makes me so passionate about records is like we're capturing a moment in history. Yeah. You know, like this is this will be here forever. Yeah. And depending on the format, like we can, this could be. Depending on who's our president too. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. We're, we're not getting into politics though. <laughs> anyway. But I mean like this, this could be out there mm-hmm. for the rest of human it will history. Be. No yeah. matter if you it's know? in a uh, someone's anyways, garage. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. Or, People may not yeah. be able to find it. Or care. <laughs> like, the Mandalen- <laughs> like, like the Mandalenda record. Like the Mandalenda record. Go look it up. But it's out there. Hey bro, I'm telling you. People uh, in South America I loved know, it. I know. What's with that I name? Know. Mandalinda? It's like, yeah, I like I was, mandolin, but I don't add a. Okay. I was, I was really into like the Mars Volta at the time. He was high. No, I'm just kidding. Like Indy 103.1 was still on, on the air. Nice. And I was like so into being creative and like listening to. Now you're not. No, <laughs> like I had to have something unique, and uh, Delenda. I was subscribed to like Webster's Word of the Day, and uh, Delenda came up, and Delenda is like a permanent stain, and I was like, <laughs> "Man is a permanent stain." Your puberty experience. Yes. So my mind went, 
like humanity is a permanent stain. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I told you he was high. I told you he was high. <laughs> yeah. Very, very true detective. I always knew you were full of shit. Um, oh, but then my buddy was like, so we're like a man stain. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I wish anyways. you I, I and believe believe you me, this is the first time I've ever heard the backstory to the name and it just sullied my yeah. legacy. I was, I was going to Paul's like about licking that. the door, listening to your rehearsal like record, yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Stroking the wall. Speaking so. of first time, I heard inside when I, we were getting ready, there's a story that you need to tell. <laughs> oh shit. What? Oh, oh yeah. This was so I guess this goes under uh Oh, can we Worst do a special uh, sec- uh, segment for the Maps podcast from now on when you have guests mm-hmm. and just call it Recording Nightmares? Oh, sure. 100%. Because everybody who's a professional yes. recording engineer has had one. Or or an artist or anything like yeah. that. Of course. Oh, yeah, shit. There I'm are t- always... I tell this story, really. Well, I guess I have to now. Give it to spot. me. You got to. You don't have to say names. No. Just, Yo, just no, physical descriptions, height, weight, okay, yeah. address. Worst right, comes I won't to worst, say I names. can edit it out if you don't, if you don't want it. We've never edited no. anything out. Mm-hmm. No. Never. That's... I keep everything in. Oh, yes. Jesus. That's All right. Okay. Don't be scared. Well, it was, uh, it was my first music job. Working at a studio, mm-hmm. and I was man, there's no point in not saying names. Anybody who knows me is going to know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll we'll just keep it as vague as possible. Sure. All right. So I'm about two weeks in working at a brand new studio. I'm managing the studio, mind you. This is even pre Mandalenda, pre me being a pre man, even a pre venture <laughs> permanent yeah, pre venture right? recording engineer, mind you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this this is bad. So, um, this is just learning experience. Yeah, even though I was managing the studio, do you need another beer for this? The no, the owners of the studio were up north (laughs) and were catching a flight back, and the owner of the recording studio had booked a session with a fourteen-piece Indian group. With all various rad. varieties of Indian instruments, yeah. choir. That sounds sick. Um, so not just my first recording experience, but working with a you know a very you know talented group of musicians with a bunch of instruments that I'd never even seen in my life. Yeah. Like, so they come in and basically, I'm under the impression that the owner of the recording studio is already on a flight headed back home and I'm just supposed to kind of welcome him in and get him settled and let him start setting up while he he's flying back from Frisco by the way so it's 45 minute flight he said I'll be there in about an hour and a half just let him start setting up throw some mics up for me you know just kind of get the ball rolling so I start doing that and then I get a call that the owner of the recording studio missed his flight and is stranded in San Francisco literally I'm sweating like immediately <laughs> knowing I have to walk back down and try to make this work. He's like, no, 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 no. You got, this. you said you record, right? Like you, you got this. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I got this. So how long have you been recording at this time? Zero days. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So go back downstairs. I'm hauling mics. I'm kind of setting up mics anyways, just putting them on stands. Cause I'm like, Hey, that's I set up the mic. Right. You just put it on the stand. Right. So I'm plugging things in and the snake and, it's kind of a panic is setting in because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, I know my boss is stranded and scrambling to find another flight back from Frisco, but this is just, you know, looking bad. 
from every way you look at it. So I set up all the mics and it gets to the point to where I'm trying to call him back and like have him walk me through this. And then just the phone goes dark I'm like shit. And at this point I kind of have mics on stand. So the 14 piece group and their accompany maybe other 20 other people that they brought with them are all kind of staring at oh, me. Shit, that's a lot of people. So they get on the stage and they're all kind of standing around the mics and looking at me and I'm looking at them. I'm like, all right. Well, so finally I get one last call and it's the owner. He's like, all right, man, this is the last, we caught a flight, but I'm going to be dark for the next hour or so while we're on the plane. So you, you ready to go? And I'm like, not exactly. Like I'm upstairs, I'm pushing up faders. I'm not seeing any like levels. I'm not hearing anything upstairs and just mind you, there's no talk. Back. It's yeah, there's no talk. Back. So I'm literally downstairs. sweating, wow. running up and downstairs to About the mic, scrambling, yards trying to tell everybody, to no, 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 no. He, he, James is on his way. Oh, <laughs> see, I name drop. You have to edit that out. <laughs> he's on his way. He, he He's going to be here soon. I'm just getting it prepped. <laughs> I heard Ames, by the way. I didn't, yeah, didn't hear anything yeah. in the beginning of that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> finally, last well, I, yeah. I think it was Hans. Last thing before or he had to get on Urkel? the flight is he remembers that he had a 25 pin connector and he had multiple like rooms that he recorded with downstairs at the studio. And, and the, the correct cable he, snake was not piped into his console yeah he would just unplug him plug him in yeah and he'd kind of swap like, depending swap yeah, yeah just depending on what room he was in. I th- oh i think it might be it and click and then i just knew i wasn't going to talk to him for another hour and a half so swapped it was finally able to start like getting signals and you know saw at least clicks on the meter like 20 57s up on stands yeah it was just (laughs) it was it was horrible i was mortified but at this point like how many hours are we into this yeah this is already about an hour and a half after they got there knowing that it's going to be at least another hour and a half before my boss gets back and kind of save the day i don't think that's that bad I don't I no, mean, it was for, bad. Okay, I, no, I mean, okay, I yeah, like, for them, but time the moment, is relative, right? Sure, so, yeah. like, I'm no, sure but just it was mind you, days. you walk in. The, I was alone yeah. in this studio at, with 30 people, and every time I walked in the room, they're chatting, and then it just gets quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm walking across the stage, kind of looking at cables, and well, then, we'll also throw in that 60 eyes are all just fixated <laughs> on me, like, what is this motherfucker doing? At this particular just studio telling too? by my amount of perspiration and probably the how large my pupils were at that time, just yeah. being like they knew something was up. Anyways, long story short, finally the boss gets back and I think we had gotten through the first take of the first song and it just sounded horrific. Like it might as well have been 1457 <laughs> placed around three feet. Cause I'm looking at instruments too. I'm like, where does the sound come out of this? Thing? Yeah. Like, and so, yeah. Well, throwing the fact like the that you're in a studio. Yeah. Well, exactly. and all this, <laughs> I'm brand channels. new to this job. Two weeks in, trying to make a trying to make a good impression. Trying to make a good impression on my boss is like, yeah, I can handle it. Like, yeah, it just is just. So he shows up and then, and then what? What is? He's like, what thanks, Paul. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> Sounds great. Because <laughs> if if anything, I did just a fantastic job of stalling, yeah, like the whole thing go. for three hours. But yeah, he came and saved the day, and and they got on track. But it was just, 
Yeah, there you go. Reco- I was expecting to be much worse than that. Like recording there was nightmares a fire that started, or like the sitar just no, smashed is, yeah. and broken right. to pieces no. because you dropped it. Like, no, no, oh, but it was like this because like, hey, you know, <laughs> you know those like a the cow clock, the in clock ticks, it, like. where every tick of the clock is yes. Every second of that three hours for me was literally. Mine mine wasn't a <laughs> yeah. recording session. It was a live session. I was doing sound for a wedding for a guy. The daughter was the daughter of a guy who was doing all the developments off of Ortega Highway on Highway 74. Mm-hmm. And the son was the son of the captain of the CHP. Okay. Um, so oh. they had cleared a plot on the top of a hill off of Ortega Highway that had a clear view of the ocean erected a giant barn facade and then a giant tent behind it. It was a like 650 person wedding. Um, Damn. Holy Christ. That's pretty big. And <laughs> oh my God. so I was running sound for it. Everything was going perfect. That's a lot worse than my 30 I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shut up, Paul. Yeah, I feel better. Eyes. <laughs> Keep going. I've never heard this and, story either. Uh, Let's go. So the, the brother of the groom, I think it was, or the, f- father of the groom it was a family member like this part is you know when you have a crazy thing happen that the facts aren't super accurate. some asshole some asshole you're he just exaggerating because nobody cares song. about the music in the audio at so weddings. i had yeah. the di box all set up like a separate di box for him all set up like all he had to do is go on stage plug in and play gets on stage plugs in no no sound from his guitar battery vocals work meanwhile every eye in that fucking place Turns towards the sound booth. Good, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually yeah. am very proud of myself. That's over twelve. I started eyes, flexing. Twelve hundred eyes. I know. Like I know. Me, I had sixty or sixty. This is not me. I did not do this. <laughs> but did you completely throw the guy under the bus? Taylor after too, you huh? discovered it was the bad one. Oh, hey, everybody, was. Taylor yeah. elixir strings. Yeah. yeah. Did, yeah. did you at least make an announcement? Hello, wedding party. <laughs> I'd like to announce that this was one hundred percent not my fault. No, but the great thing, <laughs> ever heard is, of a nine volt battery yeah. dipshit? This guy. <laughs> so for those three minutes of that song, everybody was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Sound oh, he guy. played. He played oh, through it. Didn't God. stop. Like, kept going. Oh, he didn't say, like, Did oh, the I old grandpa no, in the background no, go, no I can't no, it was just hear like, you. He was so nervous that, like, he just yeah. started playing, and he was like, 650 <laughs> goddamn people. Butterfly Ooh. kisses. <laughs> that's, that's quite the performance. <laughs> I'm, like, like, waiting for the grandpa in the back to be like, I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the vocals are like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Just and he just did verb. a nice acapella. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, the gada- the guy that we had playing guitar in the band that was the wedding band like got a guitar out and like handed it to him just to be like okay maybe this will work plug it in worked it was his fucking battery in his guitar and he's uh, the hero right yeah, those four, not you no but it's like time is relative those four minutes I was like oh my god <laughs> like, yeah go 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 right go 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 this go, is go, the go. head of the CHP he could arrest me <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> You were mixing too slow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That's good. Just push the fader up, man. Yeah. Shirt's right. yeah. not muted. I've, I've <laughs> seen these things before. You just push this thing. I've just got this like look on my face. It's not me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've definitely had way more gnarly live stories than I have. Oh, that's studio. why I don't do live sound, but God bless you. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, but like you got a little wiggle room in the studio to be like, ah, oh, I got. Hey, give me a second. I got to figure this out. When it's live, oh. yeah. even if it's just a little more controlled, I think environment the, the most the I'll take stressed it. I've been recent in the recent years. You know, let alone like figuring out how to plug in a preamp or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I've been there, but like Paul, I'm thinking you know, we need to renegotiate this contract. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's years have passed. But uh, a few years ago, I had a new client and not a very big client, so to speak, like just a very sweet old person that I want to take care of. Three microphones, maybe. Easy session, hit record, no headphone mixes, just capture two hours of performance, right? I'm chilling. And they asked me to like do some file management stuff. And I'm like flying through takes. So I get rid of this one, get rid of that one, blah, blah, blah. And I had like cut at the beginning of a take, but not the end or something like that. And I had deleted like two hours of recording. <laughs> Emptied the trash because my hard drive also got the message. <laughs> hard drive almost full. I was like, oh, I got to delete all these takes. I just, I got empty the trash, you know? Um, Fucking gone. And I'm sitting there and I've never had, I mean, I have, but like in the studio, like had this like sheer pit in my stomach where I'm just like, <gasps> what were your exact words? How did you break it to him? Uh, like, I like exactly. turn around like all sweaty. Like I'm pretty sure my French bulldog is like humping her leg at the same time <laughs> or something. And I'm just like, I don't know how this happened. I've never had this happen, but those takes are gone. <laughs> oh, you mean just the last couple that I did? It was like, you like, no, the like last couple hours, hours of yeah. takes that you did. And I was just like, and she's just like, Basically, she's a very religious woman. She's basically like, in lieu of saying fuck, she's like, are you are you fucking kidding me? Like, are you trying to run a professional studio or something? <laughs> like, what's going on? Y'all, yeah. And I'm kind of like, <laughs> I am, but. Oh, fuck. Like, and it was just totally like, I was flying too At fast, At that man. point in time, Mike wished he was in Pro Tools. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. But if I had emptied the trash, it would have been a big deal. Yeah. But I had emptied the fucking trash. That's a tough one. Yeah. And I was just like, God damn it. And it was all because like my hard drive was getting full, like my system drive. And they were kind of like, oh, well, get rid of this one. I want to hear this one. I was like, oh, it's like trying to fly like super quick. While I was just sitting there for two hours listening to play (laughs) classical music, you know. And then now it's like game time and I just fucking blew it. (laughs) Well, and it's always it was their best takes ever. That they've ever done too, but in for those the record, I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah. in those instances, <laughs> yeah. I'll never somehow. I'll never play she, that well again. She's still yeah. been a client for three years. Hey. Yeah. Well, Amazing. it's it goes back to pity client. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry for that incompetent. I still record with that jackass. That fucking <laughs> no, lost. She that knows ruined my whole first session. She's like, yeah, I can get something out yeah. of him now. Lord, yeah. this yeah. is this is my uh, act of forgiveness. Just continuing to record with him. <laughs> well, it goes back to the whole thing, you know. Like, uh, true personality is not when you're ruined. The best of circumstances. This is true. You know, you see how people handle bad things, and that is the the telltale sign of like what kind of human they are. Yeah. Somebody can handle this stuff like that professionally, both as a client and as a engineer. Yeah, it's like that's 
That's great. We yeah, all go through it, guys. Yeah. We all and this go has been episode one of Recording Nightmares <laughs> <laughs> on the Maps podcast. Yeah, we That's your segment. We're just, we're just gonna. We're gonna. Yeah. yeah. We need chains. We'll oh, Shane does have some good. We'll sponsor stories. that. Yeah, we'll sponsor this segment for sure. I think you have you have some uh, some Jeb stories, some Carlin and Jeb stories. Shape. Oh, yeah. So I'll I'll just go with that one. Uh, thank you for mentioning names, Michael, <laughs> and throwing them under the bus. No, Jeb could give me a call. I, that was the first Michael of this podcast. Michael, I, no, I, when I when I introduced him, I always oh, did introduced you do him as okay. Michael. Oh yeah, he's, he's you not. don't always introduce me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. And this has been Recording Nightmares. This is Shane talking. Yeah. New podcast. We're still getting used to getting in there and diving deep with introducing That's what she our said. people. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'll just go through real quick. Um, basically, when we were recording an album, I won't say which one. Uh, Loneliness is by Shane Pataki. <laughs> <laughs> it's. Yeah, it's a tough thing to go in there with, you know, limited time. You Once you get to understanding, like, how much it costs to record an album, even if you are getting, like, the hookup and you're scheduling it with multiple people, you're, you get to a certain point where, like, hey, we got we to gotta go in and get shit done. Like, we can't just sit around and waste time and, like, you know, fuck around, you know, we... We we should even though we're doing fourteen hour days at at this point for us. Uh, I don't know how you did it. Oh, it's great, especially try, try mixing for sixteen hours. <laughs> yeah, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Recording is is another thing, but mixing, yeah, that sounds terrible. So basically, it was just you know we're going through these days. I don't know which weekend, which number it was, because that's it. You go down to okay. Let's plan these weekends and let's get in there and just tussle and get, get shit done. But there came a certain moment where we're just trying to bust stuff out. And the engineer and and my bandmate were just geeking out on like gear talk, whether it was like talking about like tape machine or talking about how to record and using different mics and stuff like that. And I'm in like ready to get my drums down because I played drums for the album and you know, another bandmate's ready, and the two two band the bandmate and the engineer are just like in the control room talking, like, and I I it's hard to get me. <laughs> this obviously was not at Maps, right? This was not at Maps. This would never happen at mm. Maps ever. <laughs> this would never happen ever. Uh, but I was getting pretty flustered, pretty upset. And I even, like, I'm sitting there. Like a gosh darn it came out? Uh, <laughs> gosh, a good golly geez, what the frick is going on? Uh, sitting behind the drum set, and, and eventually it was like, hey, let's get this going, guys. What are we doing? And guys, this is my record. Is, Let me play my songs. My I want to get it over oh, with. Don't you care about my emotions? <laughs> I'm so emotional. <laughs> I get. I mean, I guess that's the story, but I was just. It's. Uh, it's. It. <laughs> I don't, I don't dude, even see why you brought that up. I feel you, man. I got. I got Look. very upset with time. Time is money, people. Time is money. 
Also, I can't even see that from here. Emotions, dude. We're yeah. both Elliot Smith fans. That's right. Right. That's People right. don't appreciate this. Just got That's a picture right. of my daughter had a full blowout out of her diaper. That's awesome. Oh, very nice. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Oh, both sides too. <laughs> oh. Down both legs. That's good. It looks like when you go off-roading and all the yeah. stuff that comes up on the oh, like the, the, yep. the fender. Yeah. Yep. Beauties of being a dad. What do yeah. you think? Hey, congratulations, by the way. Man. Thank you. Yes, congratulations. I wish Shane would have brought more beer. Jesus Christ. I didn't touch it. Sorry. You deserve a second beer. I no. Nah, nah. It's already been it. opened. So this it's is been placed in front <clears throat> of you. I've not touched he's it. He's the uh he's the old man of the group. I am. That's true. Awesome I'm in my I'm in my actually been I'm that in my late thirties. Oh my no, it hasn't been thirty minutes. It's close to. It's no, I was eyeing it before it was open. Oh, okay. Like, Paul's usually you a very You know what else I realized tricker. listening to the last podcast? Yes. We're both Third Eye Blind fans. That's right. Mm. And I wasn't original. Well, We're all three Third Eye Blind fans. Excuse <laughs> oh. me. Four? Uh, oh, we've, have conver- we've already had conversations. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, guys. You weren't at the wedding. I'm <laughs> sorry for not inviting you. But <laughs> Three doors down. You know, I feel like if it was normal <laughs> conditions <laughs> and COVID yeah. wasn't around, I would have had an invite. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like. Mm-hmm. So that gives me solace. Gives me solace. <laughs> that is correct. I'm okay with not being. No, but. Oh. Funny enough, I don't know if I should even like, you know, put this out there, but there might be a slight chance that possibly a guy who might have produced the first Third Eye Blind record very maybe likely might sort of have a connection where maybe sometime we'll be able to talk to him. Nice. I just got a boner. <laughs> Not being a Third Eye Blind fan, though, blind fan, I, I was going to say, you can't even pronounce the name story. right, dude. Come on. What do they call Show them? Some <laughs> Three guys blind? Three EB. Three blind Three mice? doors? What are they? Mice? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh, guys. Man. Well, hey, since we're on that point, what would you say are like a few of the albums that maybe influenced you musically or maybe influenced you mm. to record or produce? If you have, if you guys have those, yeah. What made you oh, yeah. think you were even remotely capable to do anything good <laughs> yes. in music? Yeah, yeah. What yeah. made you possibly think that? Actually, who do you think you are? Still nothing. I mean, the <laughs> albums, yeah. yeah, the albums that make me feel like yeah. I'm not going to get yeah. them. Oh my god. <laughs> um, for me, our producers, like, is yeah. What what really was it that that came down to like, yeah, I want to I want to capture these moments, okay. maybe like these guys did or this band, you know, did or whatever. Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, I mean, like most teenage boys are like, I want to be a fucking pornographer. <laughs> but like right? even with like Elliot Smith, like that stuff is so stripped down Lo-fi. and bare, bare bones. Yeah. But All for me, tape. like that was songwriting. You, you know, his his songwriting, the way he did it, that was a huge influence for me. Um, yeah, and then, well, it's for the great... record, when I first joined Shape of Talk, he was like, hey, man, you have a lot of Elliot Smith uh, harmonies. He's just like, uh, not really into them. <laughs> you mean Beatle I'm harmonies? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I like the Beatles. That's well, yeah, sure. it's like, okay, with Elliot, it's, he's definitely on there for me. Um, just because he was a great songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, and he borrowed so much from the Beatles. Like, you can't help but listen to an Elliot Smith record and not notice, like, the, the chord progressions and the harmonies, but also he, he's just like one of the greatest lyricists of all time too. And that's For always sure. what gets me. I love like Bright Eyes, Connor Oberst is one of my favorites. So you're just so you sad. You just like those dudes so that just are so sad. No, like it's music is best 
when you're at your lowest and you can find some happiness mm. in it. You know what I mean? Like, but arguably, when I'm already happy, I don't need music to make me more happy. I don't know. Yeah. When you're when you're high and fucking Hair the Dog by Nazareth comes on. That's true. That's true. Sure. But we're riding on the back of a, now a boat. Now you're messing with us. yeah no but for for me with elliot like i i didn't even delve into the lyrics itself just the music the way that he played every instrument the way he (laughs) played every fucking instrument guitar like he plays piano yeah it's it's treble clef bass clef it's it's it was it was wild that it's and it was like more just the song in itself was so beautiful and gorgeous where the lyrics after i went in and looked at what he was actually singing about i was like oh this is pretty fucked up and like even my parents noticed that before i did and i was like no this is beautiful this is like no way i'd ever like listen to elliot smith and anybody else but myself (laughs) you know i can't do that this is like a shared experience is is the later stuff is pretty upbeat you know Mm -hmm. like exo has some great like baby britain even though it's killed him (laughs) Ooh, hot take michael hot take I don't know, but Probably. the guy who wrote about killing himself, like, <laughs> in every Stabbed song. Stabbed himself three times in the chest <laughs> through the shirt? I don't know. Seems pretty hard. No, we After can know. After his girlfriend had a fight with him? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Question marks. We'll find out. Anyways. Sometime. Uh, that's a really w- weird thing to do in any ways. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Anyways. <laughs> fuck now. his death. Back to his yeah, music. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're on the same page with Elliot. I'm really curious. Finally, funny guys. I want to. I want to know from our our elder. <laughs> I'm in my late thirties. Beloved what, elder. Late were 30s. you Beloved. Were you into? Lies. Was it Sinatra? <laughs> was it? What? Nice. Uh, that was a good one. That was pretty good. That's good. That was what good. was it for you, Mister? Fiddle, fiddlesticks. Mr. You got me. Horse feathers. <laughs> All right. Now um, Motown. Well, as I mentioned at the beginning, long, long ago of this podcast, the, the recording to me is, is it's just capturing moments. So obviously, it was just my favorite records that actually sparked the curiosity in me to like go back and look at like who freaking made these things. Like, because I think even you don't before you even notice the sonics before before you become an audiophile. Like you just there's that emotive kind of feeling that you get from certain records. And you can't, you know, and when you start understanding audio, you understand that the recording process is really integral to conveying that emotion and making it effective. So obviously. And if you don't, you should. Yeah. So. (laughs) Took me a long time to get Shane. Some of the first engineers that I really like noticed their names, um, kind of being a hip hop guy growing up in the golden era, uh, Tribe Called Quest, the low end theory was. And there was something different about that record too, even compared to because you listen to Gangstar and a lot of these records that just sonically, you know, they're great records. Don't get me wrong, but listening to the uh, the Low End Theory by Tribe Called Quest, you know, just sonically it sounded different than a lot of the hip hop records you heard at that time. Like somebody was behind the board that knew what he was doing, and it turned out to be Bob Power. If you shout out Bob Power, but if you know who Bob Power is, I mean he he worked with a lot of not- notorious people in that area and and really up the level in terms of like 
Because, you know, even at that time, this was 91, I think, when Low End Theory, and maybe even recorded earlier than that. I was that. born in 1990. A lot of people weren't taking even <laughs> rap music seriously at that time, yeah. and, and and the engineering kind of prospect of it was kind of a throwaway, you know? like I was four years old. Because they're like, did you see what they're doing <laughs> to the records? Did you see how they're scratching up all our precious records? Yeah. So yeah. to have an engineer of his caliber to kind of come in and stamp a record and make it sound that great, but... I think thumps like if you listen to that record, there's just it's a different it's 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 upfront, it's in your face, it's clear. Yeah, because a lot of the early it's analog too, and yeah. and with that sound, the marriage of that sound that Tribe Called Quest had and and his engineering, and it was kind of an odd couple match in terms of him making that record, but it was just one of those things where when I saw that and I was like, wow, like can I say that's cool. um, when I first met Paul, he, he, this was probably. Eight years 1991. Ago? <laughs> 2013. Yeah. About-ish. Um, he uh, was still rocking a um, an Akai MPC, MPC with the floppy disks. Ooh. Original Whoa. floppy disks. Still have it to this day, too. Yeah. For those kids now they're not, that are listening. Thanks, Jesse. Now they're not going to believe no. I'm in my 30s still anymore. <laughs> You just talked about an album that was made in 91, yeah, I know. 1991. And being curious about who the engineer was. <laughs> yeah. yeah Mine was 10 years later, and that yeah. was Kid A. What was Mike and curious about in 91? Yeah. You know? That was the first How time I where your bread about where your bottle was. <laughs> yeah, you know, sorry. No. And then another one, obviously, I'm a huge Tool fan. Tool is my favorite mm. band all time. Oh, really? I didn't know you were a yeah. Tool guy. Yeah. Anima, there's a lot of controversy over how that record is. Yeah actually what the name of it is pronounced anima i heard from anima? adam jones it's anima but hmm. anyways i could be wrong but thanks youtube <laughs> anyways long story short that was another record and um god okay uh sure it wasn't alex jones. david Bottrill. that's the name i'll uh, remember it and he had produced i think some smashing pumpkins record or something else around that nobody time. actually produces smashing pumpkins record. this is Come true yeah. 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 Billy yeah. Corgan's just like oh well, you're fired you're feel, fired i got this and i Never feel mind. the same way with tool but it, it was just he was not a very household name obviously in terms of like producers and engineers but he made one of my all-time favorite records and sonically i mean that record is just I mean, I mean, you have Danny Carey also drum on any record, and it's gonna yeah. be freaking my hands down. My favorites, it, like seriously, is although I love Elliot Smith, like I'd, sonically, his records are more nostalgic, and like I love the way that they're comforting the way they sound. Mm -hmm. uh, but my favorite records have always been Kid A, mm -hmm. Nigel mm -hmm. Godrich, yeah, um, I, the Neutral Milk Hotel. Mm -hmm. I, don't, yeah. I don't remember who did that, dude. I've looked it up multiple times. And I'm like, this guy hasn't made anything from from my recollection. Yeah, anything else? And it's just like, well, I should I, say, uh, airplane over the sea. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, no, no other real record, right? Well, no, they <laughs> have no, on Avery one? Island, which yeah. is a great record too. Yeah, uh, it's not as cohesive. It's a little all over the place. Like, they, right? They got it together on that record, but it was just like lightning in a bottle for that yes. whole record. You know? Yes. Um, like those are distorted acoustic guitar sounds. It's like yeah. it's, it's so cool. Song about sex is like. That, that that's Avery Island. Yeah, that, yeah. That distortion is. I don't know. I don't know what it is about that. But that we was referenced so cool. that for the last Shape record. Yeah, just yeah. like super blown out. And Great then of course, like you know, you can't help but like as an engineer, start to love the you know the dark side of the moons, the mm -hmm. like all the oh, classic yeah. great albums. Like 
even all the stuff the Beatles did. Um, I find myself going back to more of like when stereo just became a thing hmm. and they didn't know what the fuck to do with it. <laughs> That's like the Bruce Swedeen days. And See, like, I stereo, yeah, I he stereo mic to everything. I, yeah. I, I still fight like a lot of that. Like, like Jimmy and I have had many. So Jimmy, I think is probably Jimmy Hoff from big monster. Um, shout out Jimmy. Love you. He is probably the closest thing that I have to a Paul Jesse relationship. You know, we've made so many great records together. He was actually technically one of our like engineer producers at, at maps 1.0. And it was great. Like I would literally like come to the studio straight from college, like a class, you know, run the first like half of the session. We would do stupid long days. Mm-hmm. I've done it, Shane. I know I it's not productive. It. And then, well, maybe to you, but maybe to other people. And is. then Jimmy would come in for like guitar tracking, and then I would go take a nap in the lounge on the couch. <laughs> you know what I mean? But technically, I was producing the record. But That's it was why just like, I wasn't productive. You're taking naps on the job. Here you go, Jimmy. Take, you know, <laughs> it's producing by osmosis. You know, yeah. it's just he's dreaming. That's what me and Paul do all the time. Yeah. But it's so, it's so funny. Like him and I, like we've, you know, mixed the majority of the rec- uh, big monster records together and stuff. And, I've kind of spit the same things that I, you know, said here. Like, you know, you you know, can't drive one car together. Like, what are we even doing here? And I mean, always back and forth frustrations. And and uh, one of the things we referenced was like the early Beatles stuff, mm. like mono drums mm-hmm. drive me fucking crazy. <laughs> really? God, I love them. Yeah. Because I'm a drummer, and there's no way that you will ever hear a kit not stereo in mm. real life in a room. Yeah. And you know Maybe I mean? if only and one of your ears works, like. but then it's going to be only to the right or only to the left. <laughs> Not if you stand sideways <laughs> while you're playing it. Uh, but you know, it's just like this whole thing where it's just kind of like, well, these records are great and they sounded great, and like. But it's not because of the mix. Like those early stereo mixes yeah. did not sound great because of the mix. They sound great because of the tones and the capture. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, oh, of yeah. course, the performances. You have yeah. literal scientists and the best musicians playing on those records yeah yeah, yeah. and like yeah. they capture this shit so cohesively yeah. it didn't matter if you pan the vocal hard right and the fucking yeah bass hard left you know what i mean it like all it, sat, yeah. it doesn't even it matter sits, like yeah. it's so cohesive tonally mm-hmm. um that like it's almost frustrating for me and i just use jimmy as an example like a personal example you know him and i have made great records i'm proud of and he's a fantastic engineer and songwriter and producer and all that but generally the sentiment of like of noting these the, that, that transitional mono to stereo record as like a mix technique it's very skewed cuz if <laughs> like the balance between things is great but as soon as you start panning shit it's like not relative anymore you know what i mean like it's kind of a a fucked up version of what a good record is because there's so many more factors well you, it- yeah, it's like filmmaking. Um, you have a lot of filmmakers who make purely for visual. You have a lot of filmmakers who make purely for emotive. And then you have some filmmakers who make purely for storytelling. And like, it's very rare that you get a filmmaker that can kind of collect all these things together and make great filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I, I, I think the two are tied very closely together. Although I think filmmaking is quite a bit difficult than it is to make an album. Um, but the idea that 
when you have a bunch of elements and you need to organize them, um, each individual element has to be its best element, you know? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, mixing is kind of organizing. Yeah, Yeah. it's, Mm -hmm. it's a, you make a collective decision on hierarchy, like what needs to be in the forefront, what needs to be in the background, what needs to be noticed sometimes and other times. And it's, it really is like this idea of how do we make something sound its best when it needs to sound its best? And it doesn't have to sound its best always. It just has to sound its best when we need it to sound its best. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's funny. Like one of my favorite quotes from my mastering engineer, Max Karen is he's like, cause I always ask him, you know, don't give me your perspective on whether you like the music or not. Cause he's a total metalhead. Um, so most of like the folk records I send him, he's like not into, you know, but like just from a production engineering standpoint, like I, I respect him so much as an engineer. I'm like, you know, give me your feedback. Like really like how it's sitting. It's just like, well, sounds to me like you turned the good shit up. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. You know? Yeah. And it's like so funny. Cause it's like, it's actually rings really true. Like that's, what's great about some of the, like the old hip hop records is yeah. like, some of the stuff, like some of the old beats, like especially like what drives me nuts is a lot of the BC Boys stuff. Yeah. Like sounds so thin and just like oh, not yeah. cool. And then they go, and you're like, oh shit. Like, what the fuck? And it's loud as fuck, like right in your face. And you're like, I guess I'm partying this now. That's true. That's true. You know? I think, yeah. That brings me to one last record too, and I'll button it up on that. But probably the one that actually. Because even those records that I mentioned earlier were ones that I listened to well before. I mean, I was still doing it, but before I started doing it professionally. But I I heard um, For Emma Forever Ago by Bon Iver. And the legend obviously goes that he shacked up in a cabin in like northern Wisconsin. So you can can tell me whether this is true or not. Continue. With a lot of like vintage recording equipment and whatnot. Anyways, I don't know if it's all true or not, but... It's all 57s, right? I really loved that record. (laughs) And the funny part was, though, and this just goes back to everything we've been talking about, about just capturing, you know, capturing these moments. But what he conveyed and, and what he put down on that record... You know, really spoke to me. I really love that record. Incredible but I mean, record. the recording though. I, I mean, there's t- shit tons of line noise. You can hear his chair creaking in it, like in mm-hmm. takes. He's layering all kinds of vocals, like the editing of his breaths and the plosives and oh, stuff yeah. doesn't hmm. fully line up. I mean, if you want to look at that record from a pure technical recording approach standpoint, you can just rip the shit out of it in but a it, lot but of it ways. Tonally and performance wise, sounds so good. And to me, that doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, and you know? it gave me. It said, you know what? Like, fuck it. Like, but the I, fact that like us as as technicians can turn our brains off at that point yeah. when when art crosses over that. Yes, that's that's really I think like the, the ultimate. Crux of it. Yes, at the end you of know. the day, it's more important to me that I capture as opposed to how I capture, and For that's sure. why I do what I do. That's why I record music. It's because 100%. damn it, Paul. That is yeah. good. <laughs> no, it, and that record was Wise important words. than that because. Just hearing that, it, you know, I was starting to record and you do spend hours on YouTube and why can't I get my mixes to sound like this and that? And you do all this comparative shopping. And But at the end of the day, I was like, wow, I really fucking love this record. And it, it's just, it's not, it is what it is. It's a capture. And 
I, I want to do that. Like it, and so at the end of the day, to me, the most important thing is is that, and, and it was that record that really solidified that for me, because I was like, "Fuck!" If they just said, "No, we're not putting this out," because it just wasn't recorded very well, like I never would have had yeah. <laughs> all those nights sobbing in my bed listening <laughs> to "Forever" you know, for Emma forever Dude, ago, because it's such a beautiful, it's such a good yeah, record. I, I didn't cry that much, but I did a little because of that record. <laughs> I was but, going through a breakup. Okay, so. It too, it, still, it, does, yeah. it comes down to like how the song is. Yeah. You, can, know? And and yeah. you can't argue too much with how the song is crafted, just yeah. based on lyrics, based on rhythm, based on melody. Yeah. And sometimes even when you fuck up capturing it too, yeah. even those those certain points when you maybe made a mistake or you didn't yeah. do the right thing, it doesn't even You got the matter. song though. You got you the got song. You got the song and that You got e- the emotion. Even got, the fucked yeah. up adds so much to the character yeah. of that whole song, you know, that makes it that much better. And I think that's yeah. normally for songs that are a little bit more heartfelt than something that's maybe more superficial, you know, that's not, not commercial necess- used yeah. for commercial purposes. Yeah, yeah. anyone that's like yeah. singing about Friday, Friday. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, like, does that, she's a local celebrity. <laughs> that know. brings up a good question, though. Is like, is that when, like, the, because I, I always think, like, we're alchemists. Um, we are mixing science and art mm-hmm. in a lot well, of ways. I thought we were turning it into gold. Isn't that what I mean? Green, yeah. You know, that's what they'll green say. and gold. But it's, it's that, like, it's that ability and that maturity to look at something and something as a whole and be like, all right, like maybe this is the warm up take, but God dang it. Yeah. I think one of my that's least, that's why favorite. you don't ever delete your trash bin. Yeah. I think what also, <laughs> which you never do is you never listen to an artist. Like, let me just do a take and don't record it. Oh I'm yeah. Like, yeah oh, I always sure. record warm up takes. I'm like, yeah. dang. Yeah. Record and they're like, did you just record that? I'm like, yeah, fuck off. Yeah, Take yeah. a listen to this shit. And usually they're like, great. oh, good, because <laughs> I did yeah. that good. That comfort, yeah. red light fever, all that. Yeah. Oh man. Well, so and funny. and so many artists once they know that they're being recorded, do not perform. Well, like even I mean, sorry, throwing their best, yeah. Jesse, but you know, before we hit record here, he's like, oh man, every time I'm in front of a mic, yeah, just get, get a little pucker my butthole a little bit. <laughs> red you light know? syndrome. It like it takes a while to warm up. Yeah. I know it's just, but so I mean that's the way it is. Like I'm a I'm a soccer player. Takes me thirty minutes to warm up. I get to the field thirty minutes. Yeah, because soccer players are fucking crybabies. <laughs> oh, yikes! They this do is the guy. Ouch. They do pucker their butt. Who never a lot. played a collegiate sport? Damn! You played in college? I did. No shit. Yeah, yeah Michael, you. your baseball career crashed before you got to college. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely did. I definitely quit. Uh, I didn't even play in college. That's I rad. Did, yeah. What were you gonna say? When when I, Paul was having his very in depth moment about capturing Bonnie Vare. Oh no, no, no the no, real no. story about about that album. Not my story to tell. Future episode. Oh Jesus! Well, then why did you even I say know. it? I think Monolith. See how aligned we are as partners. We both have to pee at the same time. Oh, I think we all have to go. I, I have to go. Well, so, are we wrapping? Let's wrap it. I can't wrap it without just Jesse, just mm-hmm. fade out on my my very <laughs> cathartic moment there that I no had. for Emma is a, a great record and no I just I had the privilege of touring with uh, tell me tell me the tell me the 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 true story I, I can't tell you the true story really um, why <laughs> I love uh, that record I need to know it, is it going to ruin it for me is that no, why it basically uh, no so I I, I toured ooh, fuck man a 
years are getting mixed up now because 2020 is just like such a wash, it's, you know. It's been <sighs> five years since 2020. It's, yeah, it's been a long but time. Uh, no, I, I I toured with a, a great engineer that um, grew up in the same music scene as um, Sir Boniver. <laughs> yes, and uh, yeah, he's he was fortunate enough to to work with him at his studio and stuff, and then he was telling me some stories, and I was just like, he's the real deal, hundred percent up and down, yeah. you know. Um, but is that what you're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what well, am no, I missing? Yeah, Are you gonna throw somebody else under the bus with this story? No, it's Can you tell it's, me off it's, air. It's for a future guest to tell. Oh. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, understand. it Yeah, I mean it's it's just such a great record and like that guy's career is like yeah. is so unique and it's something to strive for, I think. Like for me personally, you know, with music, it's just kinda like it more or less has been really, really independent. And, and well, I mean, I got you get a lot of shit too because who he lost uh, what Nicki Minaj lost best new artist to him that year. <laughs> Which, okay, let's be real because a lot of people that don't aren't familiar on a deeper level with Bon Iver, that that's not a good look because I'm just gonna be real too. Nicki Minaj is dope as shit too, like, yeah, and right, all yeah. but deserved that freaking award as well. Well, so I I cheered because I was like, oh yay, Boney Bear! Like I was already in love with the records, and and you know and what, Metallica lost out to Jethro Tull. This is true, so and Nicki Minaj. Really? Thankfully, oh, yeah. The first year uh, they did hard rock or whatever. Yeah, oh yeah. Metallica lost. You never to heard that? Jethro Tull. And Who, didn't they come this, back what, in a later show Jethro and Tull said record? made some Jethro Tull comment like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, which yeah. which Jethro Tull record? Oh, this is whatever in the eighties. Like I don't know if it's. Yeah. 88 or some some shit like that. When was, yeah. What's Aqualung on? No, like, that was way earlier. Yeah. yeah. It, That's it the was, only Jethro record that matters. Yeah. I, right. It was it was past that, and oh, they shit. lost. Are you bringing up more booze? Oh, no. But yeah, anyways, long story <laughs> He's short. He's like, this a three-hour podcast. <laughs> this motherfucker. No. But long story short, yeah, I got, I got both sides of that argument, but I feel like, I mean... Nicki Minaj could have easily taken that award too, but knowing Boney Vare at that time and being as much like enamored with that record as I was, and knowing him as an artist, for even him to be on that stage or in that conversation, I don't know how, and you know, even for the level he was at at that time, how even talking about Boney Bear? Oh yeah, yeah. Bear. When, when he won the best bon new e. artist Grammy bon over Iver. Nicki Minaj, and it was it was better like not a be travesty. Gin. It's but. way dark. So it's probably not Jan. Anyways, I'll I'll, I'll oh, depart on that. Note, nice. No, yeah, okay, we yeah. could have a whole Boney Bear. Boner talk, you know. I do not disagree with that sentiment. Um, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, shit. Now we got more booze. I guess we got to talk about something. But um, <laughs> thank you, Jesse. What, what is, is this? this? Yeah, what is this? Okay, Pip uh, it. This is my new favorite thing. It's Diplomatico. It's a spice rum, but it's a high it's quality spice rum. Diplomatico. Oh, and oh wow! This is a really make nice bottle. An old fashioned out of this with just no, dude. That's 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 blasphemous. Like, mm, not rum? until you try it. Old fashioned. All you need is a little bit of simple syrup, a little bit of bitters, and yep. an orange peel, and it tastes phenomenal. Well, why didn't you make that for me? I mean, do we have oranges? Is there an orange tree out there? Or a lemon tree. Lemon. <laughs> very, <laughs> Who knows, very man? <laughs> Nobody knows what that fucking tree is. <laughs> Something like that. Oh, uh, it smells very nice. Well, cheers. Ooh, cheers. I, I actually really do love good rum. It's it's delicious. Man, how about that Paul, dude? That Paul that is Paul. just going a little pee-pee Paul. He's something else, you know? Love that dude. 
Love, love you guys, too. We love, love you guys. You. Oh, wow. That is really good. Hot damn. <sighs> right? That's really good. Better huh. than oh, it that's should be. Light. Mm-hmm. Bit, like, even just going onto the tongue. You should get me light. a bottle of that for a gift for some reason. We I'm should get some uh, sponsors that would like to, uh, anyone that would like to throw a couple bottles or Diplomatica? growlers our way. Hey. Ambitious we'll, ales? Ambitious ales. Are they interested? We can make that happen. No, see, that's the thing is Jesse always does this. He's just like, we can make this happen. And he just gets free shit. I'm like, no, I want like actual involvement because we love these guys. They're yeah. great. Oh, it'll happen. If you didn't know, for the listeners out there, Jesse has some involvement with the very delicious, ambitious ales in Long Beach. Yeah. It's uh, some some old school high school friends. We uh, made a brewery. And uh, very tough year to start. <laughs> we got one year into our belt. Yeah, yeah, they're about a year in, and we're we're doing all right. Yeah, yeah, we'll make you it guys, through this. I really, really Thankfully. like that location and the way you guys have it set up and everything like that. Yeah. I think you guys did a pheno- phenomenal job. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm blanking on the two names. Uh, Bigsby Knowles. No, 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 no. Oh. I know where Bigsby Knowles is, but. Long the Beach. Guys, no, no. <laughs> Jesus. The guy California. that we met that were there. Oh, Jerome, Garrett, or John? Bo- both. Probably not Juan, but. Well, we met, we met the two guys. Yeah, it was guys definitely Jerome. Jerome was there. And what was the other guy? Was he white? There was one white guy. Or there was one guy of Asian heritage. Filipino. Yeah. Wait, yeah. That was Jerome and Garrett. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are awesome. Amazing. Those guys are my favorite humans. So. Yeah. Yeah. And other make, than Paul and you guys, thank you. Thanks. They make great beer, and uh, yeah, we we would love to have. We obviously had ambitious sales at the last party we had, which was a year and a couple months ago. Um, yeah, it was, was great. Phenomenal. Dude, man, I miss those parties. I know that's oh, goddamn man, COVID. Yeah, goddamn pandemic, people. Goddamn government that hasn't <laughs> been able to hand this, handle this goddamn pandemic. I'm glad you bring this up because it's really the new world order, <laughs> financed by the Bernankes. We're we're not getting in. We're not getting into politics. I keep <laughs> bringing it in. We got to take it out. We got to bring it out. You know about Pizzagate, right? <laughs> oh, Jesus. oh God, Jesse. Oh, Cut. We're gonna edit all this out. Cut. What's your favorite compressor? <laughs> <laughs> Pizzagate, is that a compressor? <laughs> it's a gate, Paul. Yeah, it's, <laughs> oh, it's a, a gate. gate. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. How good is it going to feel when we can go to live shows again? I can't. I don't know, man. So I, all my, I'm so old. All my favorite <laughs> bands may not be touring by then anymore. It's just But sad. at the same time, because of this last year, all your favorite bands might be forced Gone. to tour yeah. once we get back to quote-unquote normalcy. I'm going to say I am... I got jaded from live shows. Yeah. It got to the point to where I was like, oh, the sound sucks. The light's not good. You know, like every time I went to a show, I was just judging everything about the show. And if it wasn't perfect, I'd be like, oh, that show was okay. Yeah. Um, I get that. And I'm now I'm here at the end of the pandemic. And the I'm just end? like, I it's just, ending? It is? I'm, well, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. And, uh, or at least halfway through. I don't know. Jesus. God, 
According to some people on the political scale, it's just beginning. Or some people on the political scale, it's ending because there's a Democrat. Or it never happened because it's yeah. fake and it's a hoax. Yeah. It's not real. Or I can only attest get it if that that is not true. Or some shit like <laughs> yeah. that. I don't know. But I understand that, that sentiment because I, I got to a certain point where I realized every show, especially like the bigger shows, I was just going and analyzing like, mm-hmm. what are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? Like, why do people, why would people be interested in this? Why wouldn't they, like, it it is a little bit um, distracting from being kind of in the moment and being present. But at the same time, like, this is why we're in it. Because we want want to better ourselves and, and know what we need to do as musicians, as producers, as artists, engineers, whatever, to make sure that we're kind of producing the best quality that we can, you know? And I, I it... Well, not only it, quality, but it, it's it's touching people. It's doing something meaningful, you sure. know what I mean? Because I'm a big critic of, of the machine that's just cranking out what's mm. psychologically going to get people off, you right. know? Right, right. Mm. We know what appeals to the psyche, and it's like, okay, we're only going to stick with that. We have the yeah, data. Yeah, and there's, there's something good about it, and I'll make that argument when I'm, when I'm helping people make records. It's just kind of like... Dude, or especially mixing, nobody's going to fucking not listen to your shit because the hi-hat is 2 dB lower. Mm, right. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, like, either you have a good song or you don't. And it kind of goes back to what yep. we were talking about, you yep. know? And um, it's just it's just interesting, you know, like, as as we get... Because I love working with artists that, that you know, really, really want to get in the nitty-gritty of the record, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and you know when you were doing like mix revisions with an artist, especially like when we're using the analog console, you know, and doing some some recalls and everything, it's kind of like, hey, like these are the pros and cons of, of working this way. Like, um, I love it because sonically, I feel like I, you know, I get, you know, to where I want. Like, you're you know, playing an instrument too at that point, yeah, which is nice. Exactly, and I and luckily, I got a little validation recently from my buddy David Rosales who's finished his record. And he was kind of like, "Oh, you're performing on this thing too," and yeah. I was just like, "Damn right, motherfucker!" That's great. He recognized you know? it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, it was just like so sweet. He's the best. But um, you know, there's just something to to you're elevating your craft. You're elevating your art. It is in, inherently a little bit selfish. Like you're trying to express. Like it's so self indulgent. Which you know, I have this weird complex of like f- balancing and trying to f- fight from doing that. Mm-hmm. But there's something about like, hey man, like. Our experiences, whether you like it or not, usually aren't that unique. And the more we talk about them, it actually helps a lot of other people connect. Right. And feel like they're not... You find commonalities. Yeah. yeah. You feel like you're not alone going through these experiences, whether positive or negative. You know? Um, Imagine if, like, you know, you felt like you're the only person in the world to, like, have the high of, of playing in front of... A significant amount of yeah, people. I got the perfect you know? analogy for this. I was homeschooled. <laughs> yeah, I know. Twelve year old homeschooler didn't realize that masturbation was a thing that other people did <laughs> until. <laughs> thank you, Doctor Drew on Loveline. Dude, Doctor Drew Loveline, and I was like, "Oh my god, other people do this." <laughs> I'm okay. God's, God's not gonna kill me. I'm okay. Yeah, that is so good. That's that's an interesting analogy. No, I, I mean it is. I mean sexuality and music, man. That's like a, as an age old. They activate. Know. Well, you touched on something, and I've always brain. had this curiosity. 
because obviously engineering and a mix are vital to a song, you know, in their own way. But if you are on a pie chart and you you were just forced in a corner and you had to like put a percentage on it, like what would you say a good mix and engineering job is worth to a song? Like what percentage of that song? And this is funny because it's another lead in question because oftentimes I think, you know, even though they get their, their own day of Grammy awards, you know, on the technical day when no one gives a shit, but you know, do you think that's fair? Or do you think that that percentage that you're going to tell us right now is fair to what engineers and, and, and mixers do? For no, I think, I think it's, I think it's a, it plays a huge part historically. I think majority of the time, so to, so to double percent you. Okay. I think I, I would say probably a good solid 85% of the time, a good mix takes a song a good 25% up. <laughs> 85 to 25 I'm trying to do the math so 85% of songs that hit right that that are are fucking is because they have a great mix yes okay but that other you know percentage of songs that don't have a good mix but still hit you go for that 110% well my question is more no, 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 okay no, no, no. I'm saying I'm saying I'm saying 25% <laughs> of the entire song crea- like creation okay a you quarter I mean? is a mix yeah. Is the, wow, that's a that's a I that's a high number. Obviously, I, that's I, a I good, that's a good yeah. number you're going to get you from can, somebody that actually you does fuck it. Up a song. Well, yeah, like, yeah, you could you could totally botch it. You know what I mean? True. Oh, yeah. And and I mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of and I I've been trying to like figure this out about my my record making process is I'm kind of biased in the sense that like I'm fortunate. I feel like I'm fortunate to where majority of the records that I mix, I track. Right. Mm. But that's not the typical, mm. that's not the typical thing. You know what I mean? And I, and I, on the flip side, if somebody sends me something to mix, I have no, I love doing it. It's yeah. super fun. It's really refreshing. Right. But there's this weird, like amount of control you have over like, all of a sudden your presets don't work anymore. <laughs> But just it's, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I, I get what you're saying. I it's get like, what you're saying. Yeah, I get what like, you're saying. It's like you're. It's See, like, you give me alcohol, and now the, the know, real Jessica. I love it. I love it. But it's this like no, it's like you're 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 setting up. You're laying out all your building materials, and then yeah. you just got to construct the house, you know. And um, it's I don't know. It's, well, because my question is more like, okay, there's a hundred percent of a pie, right? And you you mix a Rihanna song, which you know is going to be a hit. It's a single. You know, right? And you're the, the mix engineer, end, like, the and that song just goes on to be like wildly successful. Like, how, how much of that percentage of that hundred percent pie do you think your mix job? Well, is see, worth? that's a because then it comes into like you know, do engineers example. really get well, paid fairly? Be- well, no, hold on, that's also a genre or do they get paid too well. much? Yeah, yeah, I think that is a genre question for sure. Yeah, but but it's it's the same thing with like you know one of my favorite engineers is Vance Powell, mm. right? Mm. And he takes, I've seen him, you know, I mean, produce records that are fantastic. Like, like you know, he was working on the first Rack on Tours record, mm, I think yeah, the second one as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to go back to my Wikipedia, but I think he was an engineer on the Chris Stapleton record. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but like just up and down, everything sonically yeah. that I hear, like across records that has his name attached to it, I'm like, this dude 
right. has like imparted a sound, whether he's tracking or just right. mixing. Well, he's a big proponent of live tracking too, right? For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it that's where it gets kind of gray. You know, yeah. it's it's a gray area because if you're just hired as a mix engineer to 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 mix the next pop single, right? Which I think I listened to a podcast that he was on that. <laughs> You know, he was like, I got 128 tracks of fucking bullshit. Like, <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, there's, I was already, at, yeah. there's already yeah. so much money behind the fact that it's going to be good. Right. That whether you do a good mix or not, it's going to be good. Well, you right. think about the tracking engineers too. I think I saw a video. It was Phil Tan, like mixing an actual Rihanna single. And he's like doing this at some seminar and he's just scrolling through the Pro Tool session. He's like, oh, this sounds pretty good. Uh, whoever engineered this, this sounds pretty good. Yeah. And he's not throwing a freaking processor or plug-in on like half the tracks. And he's yeah. doing a little extra leveling. Oh, I, I got to put this delay because Riri likes this certain delay and stuff. But even him, I can almost see like a half crack of a smile out of the corner of his lips. He's like... You know, well, that's what I made for this mix. I in think that's the beauty to, like, of what I did. I'm already got like this gold to work with. This is gonna yeah. blow up anyways. It's a fantastic Rihanna song, and it's I'm just dude, like, different experiences. There you go. You know, yeah. it's different experiences, man. It's also what you're trying to achieve. It like I've always been from the standpoint is like I'd rather be the greatest. Sorry, I'll get closer to the mic. <laughs> Every time I get close to it, Shane, like I can hear my breath and Kiss all the it, explosives Jesse. and shit. It's all right. Um, we'll just, we want to just turn down you. your shared headphone. I'm mix. just gonna look at you the whole time. <laughs> no. I can't. Then Shane's gonna get mad. Right. No, I won't get mad. Shane it's never gets mad. <laughs> Shane doesn't know what he's doing. I don't get mad at all. I never get upset. <laughs> I'm very, you know. And we can't tell whether or not that's serious because of the beard. You can't see it. <laughs> Anyways, what I was going to say is that I I think like one of the the most interesting things is that we want to create something that's fuck, I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> well, my original question, what I was trying to do and the reason I asked this is because it, I even like my kids ask me this when they talk about what I do and quantifying sometimes yeah. in the greater grand scheme of things what well, a music engineer and producer uh, does for records is kind of the amount you know, of because we're versus... so not forward facing in the game. You know, yeah, I mean? know we're not the, the artists, but we're integral, and every artist is going to immediately turn around and thank their producer and engineer because well, you would hope so, yeah. Right? Oh, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fingers, but, but no, I think it's yeah. it, the amount of work is a much different percentage than you know the amount of success the song has. Mm. Mm, I could put good. so much work into polishing a turd. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Why'd you look <laughs> and, at me when it's not going to go anywhere? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's, <laughs> it was more so like, am I right? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, it's hard to quantify, man. Cause that, that example you used with Rihanna is like, I've, I've talked to guys like that too. They're like, man, I just, I'm just, they're not, they're perfectly talented engineers since they got the, the gig in the first place. But oh yeah, no, by the way, not a knock on Phil Ten. No, 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 no. But and it's he like, paid his well, dues. Yeah, he, yeah. But it's, it's like yeah, a it's a measure uh, twice, build once type thing. It's like mm, there's so mm, much yeah. that's going into it. Is that every single stage is is reaffirmed that like okay yeah like that's a great hook, great. That's yeah. a great beat. Yeah, that's great. Like, and you you get to a point to where like. As long as you have the exposure for this, it's going to be a success. Yeah, you did. Yeah, that's a w- very well put. 
it's a Shane's co- engineering this once podcast, again it's so a he's like, it's a collaborative process and like- everybody's got to do their job and and when you have that high level of a team obviously yeah you're you're yeah but i guess like i'm just so i don't know man i'm just so like inspired by the people that can take a raw performance capture it perfectly yeah. magically and then add so much flavor mm. to a mix that you're kind of like, it's undeniable how fucking cool this is. Yeah. That's where you we're know? getting to third upline, baby. Third <laughs> Valentine. Yeah. Well, but I like, found that often is the difficulty too, because the life is there. Or George. Moore. And how do you preserve the life there? Right. And I think that a lot of people don't understand about our jobs is that we it's not Plus, just setting up microphones and moving faders. It's it's a very autonomous, very fluid kind of thing to preserve that moment that you did capture and keep the life because now it's it's digitized it's or it's on tape it can be very easily be very sterile and the way you can put something on and listen to it and you feel like you're there you feel like you're in that moment you feel the emotional conveyance that's a great engineer that can preserve those human elements in the music a good example of where it might have not went out perfectly and it should have been was like band of horses mm. which which uh, was that we talk about this all the time Ooh. yeah yeah like that was like the song is there the performance is there but unfortunately like the way it was captured or mixed yeah. Yeah. just did not it was, i think it was captured perfectly fine was, that's, that's where i'm yeah, yeah, like yeah. dude he just wow. blew this mix wow uh, and like, but yet, even then, yeah, it's still. But he probably still got points on the record, which drives me fucking bonkers. <laughs> same, same <laughs> you, you give those checks back, you know. <laughs> yeah. But self-inflicted was Manchester Orchestra. Ooh. Mm, mm. Another band had great songs. Ooh, uh, Cope. Cope got blasted because they self-produced, and I think Cope recorded wins? a lot of it. No, Cope. Cope. Manchester Orchestra's record, Cope. Mm. Oh yeah. Mm. yeah. And it's very guitar but, heavy, and the drums are very. But on the flip yeah, side, and it was noticeable. But you like, listen to yeah. Currents by Tame Impala. Mm. Yeah, fucking mind blowing record. Well, like, one, yeah, incredible. He's, he's yeah. a genius. Ugh. yeah. Like you can't. Like I'm not a big yeah. Tame Impala fan. I like honestly. I I've tried. I just I can't listen to a full record. Of you just need Impala. to do more drugs. That's, I think that's the only one you need to re- listen to is Currents. Like yeah, the other ones. Take the you're getting a lot of shit for that. <laughs> 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 well, if I had my uh, say, that's the only one I care about. Because yeah. the, the first one was like, oh, this is the Beatles. Yeah. Elephant but I mean, like, same Beatles. with Elliot Smith, right? But, like, it appeals to, to a different generation. Sure. Yeah. And great, great. Like, he used the tools that were available, and he created a sonically, he created a sonic footprint. Yeah. Both so, songwriting and uh, recording-wise. Like, it, it's yeah. it's great. There's nothing to not be admired about. And how much do we, does anyone know how much went into that process for, let's say, Currents, like with him just doing that? Do, we, do you know? I mean, no. the only thing I really know is supposedly he did the whole thing in Ableton, which from an hmm. engineering standpoint is so weird to me. Just it, Ableton is a great program, but from my engineering brain, I'm like, this just makes no fucking sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> Paul can speak differently to that because he's a he's a I've done both and it was a tough transition. <laughs> yeah, it's just ahead. it's just a weird program, but obviously there's an incredible well, I record. Started it literally laziness is what made me finally start actually mixing hmm. and f- finishing projects in Ableton because I started producing so much in it. Yeah. And I literally just got 
fatigued from bouncing every project out of Ableton and dumping it into Pro Tools. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, just F this. I'm going to yeah. freaking... And it, it, it's it's not as bad as it seems at first, but I still prefer... I don't know if it's just a mind game or something, but I I still prefer to mix and finalize everything in Pro Tools. Well, they're all tools. Know. But I, I, can, I couldn't tell you why. You, you know, know, like everything is... Like I, I'm so tired of these conversations it's like are you yeah. i'm not logic versus protocols. should we do a pod should we do a podcast about how tired of them we are for like three no, hours like, <laughs> I, like with the team Paula thing like i think from from again i could i'm not well versed and researched in this but like from what i understand you know seeing video clips of the record being made and stuff like that dude has just figured out what tones he wants and he mm-hmm. figured out how to capture yeah. them and he has had you know, all the time in the world to to just dive in and mm. make it fucking happen, and he fucking did it. You know, like you hear those snare sounds, and like they sound like a sample. I think he actually got that snare sound. Oh, I think so. You know, too. yeah. Mm-hmm. And like all the synths, like whatever else. Like I really don't think that like they're they're not Ableton sounds. You know what I mean? He just that's just his preferred DAW, and that's another thing that's like frustrating about where we are making records is like we attribute something that's good to like a piece of gear or a piece of software mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's like, mm. fuck man. Like tools, man. It, they're well, tools. It's, it's I mean like the classic, you, you talked to, you talked about Paul recording a Frank Sinatra earlier. And it's, <laughs> it's like, not everybody sounds great through a U 47, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's part of the process. Everybody does sound yeah. great through a 610, though, Jesse. <laughs> so, so did Frank, or old Blue Eyes, as I used to call him. <laughs> hey, old Blue Eyes. True story. <sighs> yeah, Frank you, up the 610. Let's go, Frank. Do you guys think that there's always going to be always going to be a place for analog? 100%, yeah. 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 Oh yeah, because yeah. what half of all digital plugins are what some kind of analog simulation. Well, not only that, which is, is that just ironic in itself but part of this whole process is understanding what you're getting at the beginning right and like we always talk about you know you start you start with the performer then with the mic and it's like okay make sure your cable's not bad then the preamp and it's like you're plugging in and press the button right yeah Yeah. the the dot doesn't really matter all that much depending on how you're recording if you're just capturing something it doesn't really matter at all but it's it's if we're able to get what we want at the very beginning, it eliminates the choice. And the, we've already seen this being proved with uh, Walmart and Costco and, you know, a uh, paradox of choice is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Like we get to a point to where like we're too overwhelmed with decisions. Everybody has that friend that has every single wave plugin imaginable. But we and don't want like to they acknowledge don't... <laughs> it. We don't want to acknowledge it. Like we, we yeah. all understand that there's this paradox, but like we don't want to right. actually agree that it's an issue. If yeah. if you're if uh, if the warm eleven seventy six is worse than a Chris Lord LG eleven seventy six on a waves plugin, it's like doesn't really matter all that much for the end of the song once you have the signal in the performance you know what i mean like they're such minute things it's like my theory's always been what's going to make you happier mm -hmm. and i i tend to believe in process i tend to believe that that real shit makes you happier i agree (laughs) until ai figures it out and they can just do Mm. 
you know, make whatever song Until they want. Until Alexa can in, can sit behind the computer for yeah. What yeah. if disc Alexa. makers had that auto mix upload or something? Oh, or auto master upload your song. We'll take care of it for you. Uh-huh. Like, Wow. Yeah. yeah. So the I mean, algorithms, yeah, the mix algorithm. Which you know, AI might take over. It, and enter, like, work for here's 80% your next of the favorite songs pop recorded. Song. Enter your here's, genre. Yeah. Rock. Okay. Oh, rock okay. algorithm. But it's like making a painting by a computer. It's like, it's, all right, that's cool. Like a computer can print something that makes it look like a real painting every single time. But like we know the difference. Human brains are very adept and they, we know yeah, the difference. I, until we're not. I think I think dun, dun, dun. I think people were having the same conversation <laughs> fucking thirty years ago. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's I'm not worried about it, and it's not really I'm a not conversation I'm like no. really interested in having. Yeah, so shut up, Shane. What? Mm. I'm just worried about Terminator <laughs> coming and know, taking us all out. Skynet? Skynet. Yeah. Are you worried about Skynet? Uh, oh, uh, excuse you, Google. Yes, you're right. Google. Yes, taking us over here. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> Sky- Nicki Minaj and Skynet are going to combine <laughs> because of She's the, first the Grammy that Bon Iver robbed from her. And they're going to combine forces, and that's the end of the world. A lot of her outfits do look a little robot. Oh, man. Oh, I, I ain't mad at Nicki robots? Minaj. I'm telling you. I, I, no, I cannot. I'm a married man. the kids say, I fucks with Nicki every Minaj, Every era, that, that's the thing, is every era has its shit music that was popular. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think Nicki Minaj is very talented. Um, I don't know if that's obvious, but <laughs> I don't think I, I, I think she is. But uh, but the but is that like <laughs> she's got a but. Like yeah. not everything that is popular is going to be popular ten twenty years from now. You right. Know? So it's like you got to ride the waves. It's yeah. fine. We'll see what happens. Got to focus like, on those timeless classics. Rock music's but again, back. what the most popular band in the sixties was the Beatles, and they're still one of the most fucking popular bands. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, how do you do that again? I don't know. With that Who recording knows? technology that they had available to them at that time. You have to oh, revolutionize songwriting. Mike, you have to a... revolutionize something. Whether it's a process or songwriting. Did you imagine multi micing Ringo's kit? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I got sixteen mics on Ringo's drum kit. Yeah, let's, right. let's let's hit it. It's really the Beatles, you know, thought they had some number ones before, but until they hear Ringo's tambourine, you know, <laughs> close mic, it's gonna make all the difference <laughs> in the world. You know, I, I don't know. It's it's a. I think it's actually a conversation I I, I choose not to think of or have. I don't really care about it. Does the recording make the song, yeah. or does this you know yeah. song make a good? I don't think it's really easier. productive. Yeah. I think it's just like I think what's productive is, and this is what we're trying to like. I guess put down on this podcast is like we all still love music. And we still need records. So how are we mm-hmm. making that happen? It's mm-hmm. the capture. I, I, like I said, you know, and whether it's the business side of things or the creative side or the technical side or whatever. And nothing, we're, we're still doing it. And nothing really beats those moments that you have where you kind of realize like, shit, this is, this is sounding really good. Like, I, I got it. Yeah, we like, got it. Like, whatever yeah. happened, whether it's in, you know, ho- hopefully you're coming to maps yeah. and recording your experience. Yeah. But really it is like that's that's what we try to do here is present the vibe that makes you feel comfortable enough to come in and record that song that you've been that you just wrote or you wrote five years ago or whatever. And then you get in with the right people and the right people and, and, and your close uh, friends that are involved or whatever. And you hit record and it's like. Damn, yeah. 
that whatever it whatever we did or whatever you did sent chills like you always yeah. want to get you always want to get Shane that always feels that with me but he never tells yeah. me I would never say that to his face <laughs> I, what I, I would only say well, it to myself like can I oh. can I interject with like I have a an aunt and she's she's a writer. oh I talked to her oh here's the aunt she's yeah. great she's a writer <laughs> you got a good aunt too Mike and she always says Aunt, that that's an auntie. All she's an auntie, or not all, but most gray art is created by bodies of water. Like bodies of water uh, mm. inspire humans, mm. right? And like my kind of conclusion on that is like you know like we're all inspired by our space, mm. and one of the greatest things is like having a great space. And we go back to order of process. It's like having a great room, having a great performer. Mm. Like those are in the beginning. And mm. you throw in the aspect of having good people on top of that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. it's hard to fuck things up. <laughs> now, Jesse, you make a yeah. good point. Yeah. We, when it comes to just making records, too, we've talked about this. There's, it's not just song and recording. There's so many deeper elements. It's how the song was written. It's, it's the players on the song. There's so many moving parts mm-hmm. to making a record. And not to throw bass players under the bus, but how many times have you had a great band and then you get to track the bass player and realize he doesn't even know the song? I'm a bass player. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, bass players. Wait, I literally yeah. just yeah, told but I'm calling you out. this podcast. Yeah, but yeah, putting you on blast, bass players. But it, it just But then when it, you have a good bass player. Yeah, and it's not it's mic selection, it's I'm it's sorry, room, <laughs> it's it's mix. There's there's a lot, a lot, a lot of nuance that goes into what you hear in that final product that goes into your left and right ears, you know? Mm, exactly. And and so Stereo. you can't, I think the, even the <laughs> argument about <laughs> recording on such a general scope and even songwriting, writing great songs, you can't really generalize those things because they're just, there's, there's just way too much depth to those processes, you know? And well, in, in those instances when all the stars do align and you get the perfectly written song by the and the perfect person to perform said song with the perfect players on that song with the the perfect you know room to record like it 10, in, on the perfectly tuned instruments yeah. you know you should know as a drummer too great drummer great drum part but if the drums aren't tuned it can kill a record you know or it, or it can be a difference maker at least yeah. in terms. Well, so there's so much. It's a great drummer. You know, fucking tune drums, all right? Well, this is true. <laughs> well, I hope so. So it, yeah. it's just not. I think that's why it, it's it's not a great argument because it, it only highlights two of the more overarching fundamental things that go into making great records. When actually, great records are this culmination of a lot of small great things mm-hmm. that all came together to make it what it was you know mm-hmm. so i guess to end this podcast only one question oh you're deciding to end this podcast. i like this yeah. Yeah, i like, like this this, this yeah. is great i i for everybody here at the table why is pro tools the greatest <laughs> <DA guy>? hey <laughs> excellent question mike you go first <laughs> I could say that it's not the greatest <laughs> by how many times I've been. Sorry, your time's up. Uh, oh, he really is taking control of this <laughs> I think the multiple colors of the tracks add like 2 dB like to mixes overall. 
I'm colorblind. You're insensitive. That was a feel. This is true. I apologize. Color, colorist. I never got it until now. Paul is great band from I never understood your affinity for logic until now. Because that's my only Pro Tools argument. Actually, it's just so pretty. Yeah, it's just so great. Female drummer. I don't think she's in the band anymore. Ah, god damn it! Really? God damn it! Oh, she crushed. She was. She was good. A great. But I think well, the I, keyboard player. I'm sorry, Mike. Now I'm gonna have a legion of colorblind people Justin coming out. Was the best. I, this, I know. Oh. Apologies. Well, I like that. So we could end this podcast by Logic is the best. Uh, if you want to buy a fifteen hundred dollar dongle <laughs> via Apple Computer, it's a two hundred dollar DAW. <laughs> How much do you spend for Pro Tools? Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> How much did you spend for those? I'm not apples? bitter. <laughs> Dear Avid, ditch the iLock, please. <laughs> Thank you guys so much yeah. for coming and hanging with us. Anyone who wants to check these gentlemen out, just search Monolith Recording, right? Monolith yeah, Studios? I, mean, I think it's Monolith Studios because they're being defiant. Oh. But also, uh, Manstain. Is what you need to. What, That's really yeah, what you no, need no, to. No, if no, you can no, find no, the man stain record, yeah. If you really want to contact us, just go to recordatmaps.com and boom. Hey, there you go. I love it. Love you guys. If not, you can go to uh, monolithrecordingstudios.com. <laughs> Cheers. But we're probably not going to answer that because all we get is spam email. This so. is true. <laughs> love you guys. Contact but, submission. But, uh,